Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. On episode 52 of the Galen Trombley Show, we have our, our uh, actually the guy that kicked off the, off the show in style, uh, Matt Craig's back. Uh, we talk Sober October. We talk about us getting back on um, our health fitness game, and we also recap our For the Kids Charity Golf Classic, where me and Matt raised $1,190 for JCEO to directly benefit local children. Um, yeah, you guys all know about Matt. It was, it was a fun episode. Hope you guys enjoy episode 52. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Now we are. We're live officially. Yeah, it's rolling. One, two, three, four, second five. Um, yeah, so uh, Matt Craig's in the house again. Um, I think I think we're going to be able to actually get a full episode in today because last time you came on, we had, uh, what was it, Shirley? No, uh, Shirley's my pig or my breeder pig. These were, I forget what goat exactly it was, but it was one of my girl goats. They got out and knocked over their food thing. And they will, goats are unique where they can eat themselves to death, basically. They can eat too much food. They have four stomachs. One stomach will get too big and the stuff won't pass on to the next stomach. So they went crazy. I don't, I think they didn't have horrible bloat, but since we've only seen bloat in larger animals, it's hard to really tell with a small set animal because I do Nigerian dwarf goats. So they're, they're about the size of like, bigger than a cat smaller than like a lab dog they're probably like 25 pounds so it was one of our girls and they're the starters of our herd did you have to go to the uh like a veterinarian or something yeah we just threw them we go we went to uh the one on route 22 palmer's yeah palmer they've been good by us and um she was it was a cool old lady who helped us out and like she did great didn't charge us like extra fees and crap like some vets will charge you like 400 bucks just because it's like a night call just to start out and our bill was like i don't know it was way cheaper than any other emergency visits we've had in the past oh that's good i mean um no it was fine i think that was i think afterwards i ended up talking for a little bit of time and just kind of ranted on some stuff and i totally forgot blinked out um but so give people kind of an update because you've been uh You've been a little bit MIA from the from the podcast world, but then yeah. you've also been uh, you've had a lot going on. I think um, I'll kind of go into my last couple of weeks and what's coming up. But i I haven't done a podcast. I haven't done a Galen Trombley show podcast in it was probably a week before our event, so almost three weeks ago. Yeah, is that about right? Two two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, I. It was before my trip, so yeah, about two and a half weeks ago was the last one. When did I stop? I pretty much haven't really done them this summer. Probably August, July, August. Yeah, I guess I probably, it might even be in June. I had Jared Burns and Scott on in separate episodes, and I I was just wearing myself thin, and like I loved August, podcast. August 8th. August 8th was my last one? That was your last one. Oh, so that's not horrible, really. I was wearing myself thin. And I like I can't can't stop doing the farm, 
can't stop doing mortgages, can't stop. And I was like, you know, podcasting, It. I love getting involved in the community. And I think podcasting is great for one-on-one. Like, I love going to the chamber. I, I pretty much make it every chamber event, every single ADKYP event. There's some weeks, and I'm not... I'm not a realtor. I do. I just do mortgages where there's some weeks where I get home at nine, 10 o'clock, like four nights in a row. And then I leave early and it was just unfair to Sarah. Like I want, I'm going to bring back the podcast. I really just want to bring back video or add video to it to bring it back because I feel like that will give it more. Um, I think it'll be more interesting for people to listen to. And I think they'll get more value out of it. And then I can also, take clips of it better because in the past I the I use Simplecast yeah Simplecast and you can take like minute clips but it's just like a audio file like I don't know people on Instagram and Facebook like I don't think I think most people probably consume a lot of social media when they're at work or when they're like I never have my volume on like on my phone I really only listen to stuff when I'm watching TV and I barely watch TV. So like for me, video is everything. So I feel like with the podcast, not having video, like I probably wouldn't like there, you know, you can listen to Joe Rogan. You can listen to geniuses. You can listen to the Galen Trombley show. Like it's hard to have people like put you into their schedule unless they can get a little more out of it or they get like teaser videos. We've, uh, like currently right now, our Realty Talk episodes are way more downloaded, I think, because there's more of a theme to them and they're shorter. Yeah. And I, and I get that. Like part of people always ask, like, how come the podcast is so long or whatever? And, and we've discussed this before. It's just the fact that I have way better conversations later on in the podcast. Like you start going and then like, but there, you know, it is like you start out, there's kind of, you kind of get into a groove and then you kind of sat like settle well, in. It depends who it is. I've... Close to a half of my podcast, I, or probably probably definitely a quarter, I never met them in real life until they walked into my office. You think a quarter of yours? Yeah. So you're probably saying, what, five, probably six of them, six, seven? Yeah, because I, I think I was up to like 30-something. Mm-hmm. So some of them never met them before they walked into my office. So how Or did, I got food once, before, once, like coffee with them once before. So how did you get them in? I mean, just straight just, up asked them? Yeah, just... Like, hey, you you, you seem inter- interesting. Yeah, some, some people asked me. I asked some people. I had a list, and I was just like, you know, I have a feeling, like, I feel like I have a cool, a good gauge for who I'm going to mix well with. And I'm like, yeah, we'll probably have an interesting podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do it. And then also, like, people I know are easy, but sometimes I think it's more interesting to, like, if you can get someone you don't know to like open up and like tell you like their story sort of like it's really cool and i feel like i'm like best friends with everyone i did a podcast with i i think the one struggle that i've always had with podcasting is there's a few people that i haven't met ever before they watch. like like not have never met them don't even know what they look like yeah come rolling in i probably there's probably three or four of those yeah and then there's some that I've known for many years, and then there's some that I know, I know, but not like know enough that I'm curious and would like to talk to them more, but maybe not, um, don't know a lot about them. Yeah. And the the hardest ones for me, someone that just comes in, I usually have a little bit of a background. And the thing is, because I almost look at that as almost like a first date kind of thing. Like when you yeah. go on a first date with somebody, 
you don't know everything about the person. So you really can have hours. That's why I believe like when you finally get like a new girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, you can talk to them for hours on end because you're learning stuff about each other. So it gets to the point where some of those new people that have never been on, it's more, it's easy. It's easy to ask them because there's so much to ask them about and they can just talk and talk and talk. Then I have a couple that like me and you see each other a lot. I mean, each week we see each other or we know enough that's going on in each other's lives that um, same thing, like when I have Meg on, same thing when I have, like if Ryan comes on or, you yeah. know, I get Jordan on or something like that. So the people that I really see a lot during the, during a week or just in general, um, those sometimes can be super easy because me and you can just start talking. We're good. Yeah. But there's other people that, um, I might know pretty well, but I almost take for granted what I know. So then all of a sudden it's like, well, there's not really much to talk about because I just, otherwise I'm just asking you questions to ask you questions to make sure you talk more. But I find that the people that can come on and carry on a good conversation about a lot of different things, which I think you're very good at. And there's a few people that are, and then there's some people that you come in that aren't good at that. And those are tough because those are the kind of like, okay, like we're, Oh, it's the worst when it's like one word answers or some of them I ended too early when I was early in podcasting. I didn't have like a definite thing mm-hmm. and I just felt like I like it. I got scared that I'm like, Oh, it feels like 2% stale to me. And I'm like, all right, we're done. And like, I could see that we could have kept going. Like our first one was good. The one I had with Jared Burns in here, I had to leave to go do the one at, at SIP with you guys. Yeah. We could have talked for another two hours. Jared I mean, was awesome. Yeah. Well, like we just kept, but the thing was, I was like, oh crap. Like we're two and a half hours in. We got to kind of start wrapping this up. Well, Jared's perfect for me because like I know him, like we pal out, but like, I don't, I don't know his background. Like I know what he does financially. Yeah. We've been to board meetings together. We've done this and that, but my, my, I do. So I got my intro from um jocko like i love jocko podcast it's mostly sort of military tactics turned into Mm -hmm. business type thing and some people don't like it but he's one of my favorite podcasts and his starts with their childhood and i like what i like doing is like where did you start and what brought you to where you are Mm -hmm. now so that's what i copy from jocko where what sports did you play maybe we can connect on sports what what high school what college and not just like a resume like oh i went to i went to plattsburgh high school and i played like you know what sort of stuff did you learn from soccer that you brought to business now and then i get into the uh more of the free range joe rogan like shooting the shit seeing what their thoughts are on different tub- topics and then i also copied from tim ferris where i have like a list of like 30 questions or i think it's 16 questions that I can pull on and uh, Tim does it like rapid fire where like you ask them and they just answer and then on to the next one. I like more using those questions to continue the conversation or pivot the conversation. So that's, those are like my three, um, I guess I would say major influences of where my podcast comes from. Yeah, I think mine's more Jogan, uh, Rogan. Um, I, I don't have questions. I think I've asked a couple questions here and there. Like, you ask questions, Ryan asks questions. Um, I've never really come up with a structure for questions. Like part of me is, like, you, you had talked about doing, like, a pr- preliminary sheet they fill out basically to say, like, hey, here's a few topics, like, you know, whatever, biggest challenge or, overco- or yeah. would, would you overcome or something like this. So you have a little bit of context for a story. 
I'm not really, to be honest, I just have not actually come up with anything or just jotted down ideas. So me, it's, I just kind of shoot from the hip. Yeah. But it depends. I mean, I think if you have somebody that's decent, I can carry on a conversation pretty well. I mean, because I'm, I talk to people all day long, kind of like you, you know, we, we're both in, we're both very outgoing and we see people and, and I don't find it the struggle. It depends on where the conversation's going. Sometimes they just feed off of each other and it's very yeah. fast. Like when I had um, Mike Cashman on, he's great. Like Mike Cashman is one of the, one of the best ones I ever had because he was a, a, obviously very articulate and very good speaker, but he would be able to take uh, conversations and he would just expand and build and tell the story, which is cool. Scott Brightwell I had, and he was phenomenal at that. Um, Craig DeBoost was very good at that. So, I mean, you get a few guys that they really can expand on. Well, Even- some people are just great storytellers. Yeah. Like they know how to expand on a topic and can make it interesting and bring you there. Like I've, I've only hung out with Craig like less than a dozen times and like, he's awesome. Like yeah. I love hanging out with the guy. He's yeah, good a great dude. guy. And I can see like, he's smart. He's articulate. He has stories about Australia, like the Navy. I'm sure he has great Norsk stories. So like, he's one of those guys where you could see that like, he can. So, well, I try to get with Craig about once a month, get coffee, stuff like that. And, um, I got a book over there. I got to finish up, um, the flop to, shot to give back the story <laughs> yeah, of Craig how, 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 to hit the, how to hit the flop um but he he's one too he's he's a very he's very good with numbers he's very good with tracking da- data i mean he's quality assurance guy so i mean he but he is very i mean the stuff he's come up with and how to basic basically he's good at using numbers and how to use those numbers to make things more efficient make things either quicker make things um Whatever you want to say, put it in that blanket, but always improving stuff. But he does it through actual data. Well, and he's data, a very good yeah, at like it. We're in a world full of data where your phone can get so much data. But the hard part is how do you implement that data, I guess. Like I can take notes on everything, but if I don't turn those notes into something tangible or a game plan, it doesn't matter. So so to, to back up, we're going to kind of bring – so when you talked about um, – this is going to kind of go into a bunch of stuff, but the data idea – I just signed up for this app and basically it's a mobility app and what was happening is I've had, so up until yesterday, so again, I'm very new on this back on the wagon kind of thing. I went nine weeks without going to the gym and when I, when people say that, it's like, oh, so you, you know, you went a couple times a week, you weren't going like five days a week, like, nope, I did not go to the gym, I did not work out, I did not do it, like, was I doing stuff here and there, you know, semi-physically around the house, like yard, more like kind of like what you would do? Yes, I've been doing a lot of that at the house and I've been just crazy with a bunch of stuff, but I wasn't actually going to the gym. I wasn't really getting my heart rate elevated. I wasn't really getting a sweat. I really wasn't, I, was, I wasn't um, stretching at all. And the stretching thing I haven't been doing consistently for well over a year or so. And what happens is I've been getting really stiff. I've had back pain for like two years, like just like center of my spine when I, when I kind of not Dude, hunch over, but sitting is the devil, I, man. Like well, sitting jacks you up more than it's, anything. Well, it's sitting and even sleeping. Like when I wake up and I think you were just talking what about kind of mat, you got like a cool mattress or just like a run of the mill. Uh, we had a pretty good mattress. It was from uh, Derek, you know, Derek was yeah. Um, we had a pr- really good mattress. I just don't know. I don't know the brand to be I'm honest. thinking about up in my mattress game. Go see him. He, he's good. Yeah, I'm going to, um, but the, the idea is that, the mattress is fine. The problem is when I'm sleeping, I know for a fact that just when I'm sleeping, I get a little bit stiff. And when I get stiff, obviously, I'm not I'm not sleeping the correct way. And my problem was, one, not sleeping enough. But then, two, I'd wake up every day. My neck would be stiff. Like, I mean, stiff in the sense that, like, 
I would be constantly stretching my neck. I'd be constantly, um, you know, working on my back. Um, like yesterday, I was here for God, like six hours, I think, seven hours, just like making calls. Mm-hmm. And I was, I stood up majority of that. I had the, my standing desk up, yeah. which helps, but I wasn't stretching. So to go back to your data thing, I signed up for this app. It's pretty cool. I think it's called Go Watt or something like that. And basically, what it allows me to do, I keep fiddling with this thing. I don't know why this is like, maybe that's why. Um, so basically what it does is it takes your mobility score. So you do like five or six tests to kind of see what your range of motion is. And then they calculate based off that. Okay, here's your weak point or here's basically your grade on each of the, each of, you know, based on shoulders, based on hips, based on ankle mobility, based on the set or the other, other thing. And it gives you a score. So I was awful. I got a score of 53, basically failed. But what happens is they give you a routine to do before you work out, after you work out and what they call like a daily routine. And it's kind of cool because what it does is it allows you to take different um, time domains. So it's like, okay, before the workout, how much time do I have? Well, I work out at 5.30 a.m. So not much. So I pick like the eight-minute one. But it was great. Like what are the movements today? Okay, how can you do stuff to prep you for that? Then the one afterwards, okay, you did these movements. Here's some stuff that we know you use these muscles, you use whatever. How do we adjust that? And what I've been doing is again i'm on day two of this so take it with a grain of salt but i got a yoga mat over there so i get here i work out shower change get to the office by 7 a.m so i'm like in my office at seven so and you have a shower here no at the gym home? you are at the gym so I, I work out shower we're done by 6 30 i did the first day today stretching after again like eight ten minutes if that but it was great because it allows you just kind of cool down and relax showered came here for seven then i pulled the yoga mat out and i do another like eight to ten minute of like long form kind of holding because after it's kind of like rolling out with lacrosse balls and and Mm -hmm. foam rollers and stuff so but what it allows me to do is like i can already over two days of doing this i can feel i can already feel a little better stretching is amazing like dude i i got in the habit of i would drive to like st lawrence county or somewhere far away like an hour hour and a half not stretch, play golf, go right back in the car for another three hours. Mm-hmm. And then, like, sometimes I would stop in Lake Placid and pick up apples. And, like, I had, like, a few a few weeks where I was driving six hours in the day. And then golf, like, is – you don't really stretch. Like, it's just one way. And I just jacked up one side of my body, dude. For two days, I couldn't walk, man. I had well, to just go home and, like – But you think about, like, in golf, golf's a very aggressive movement. Like yeah. The golf swing, it, it, it looks slow, but I mean, now granted, we're not pros, but when the pros are swinging the club 120 plus miles an hour, there's a lot of force, there's a lot of torque, there's a lot of like strain on your muscles and, and your joints and stuff. Yeah, like if you're not if you're not stretched out, I used to stretch out, every, this was back when I played, I was I would always stretch before golf. Like yeah. now, now I'm not saying like I'd be sitting there doing yoga, but on the first tee or in the parking lot or up up by the clubhouse i would spend five minutes going over you know i would do different kind of motions with my shoulders and arms my hips i would do some uh rotational stuff i did some leg stuff to kind of warm up the uh like hamstrings and and calves and things like that because you don't realize how much strain you put just on on twisting and turning yeah yeah so i mean your back easily can be thrown out with golf yeah well i used to i used to be super like back in college and like late high school all I had to do in life was like, I just had to work and that was it. Like when you're in 
when I was at SUNY Plattsburgh, like the food was there. Like I didn't have to do dishes. I had to just do basic human things. When I lived at home and was really into jujitsu, like I didn't have to go grocery shopping. Like I lived with my parents. All I all I had to focus on was like working with my dad and then like getting after it with martial arts. So I would like stretch hard. Like I would stay after because it was just me. So jujitsu class, let's say, it was five thirty to six thirty. Um, I would always stay after, get extra rolls in, and then um, my school was awesome, so they would let me just like hang out there. And there was medicine balls that I would stretch out on, and like just laying on your back on a medicine ball, like really stretching out. I got real close to being able to do a full split. Really? Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, because I, I was a hockey goalie too, so I used to stretch a good amount in hockey goalie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for a while in the summer, every uh, you know, I think everything starts with your morning if you wake up at like 4.30. And I, I wish I still, I try and wake up at like 4.30 every day unless I know I'm tired the day before. I don't do it every day. I wish I did. But whenever I do, I have the best day ever. And I'll wake up. Um, if I'm golfing that day, there's a video that I always do. It was a 20-minute yoga video. It was like yoga with Adrian or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, do that. I would play so much better. Like everything would move smooth. I wouldn't like feel anything. But... It all starts with, you know, if I got home too late, like I would get home at 10 o'clock, 1030. And like, you know, after you do a podcast, you're like jazzed up. Like, it's hard to just go home and go to bed after a podcast. Yeah. One one of my hardest things, part of the reason is I'd get home, I'd have a million things going on. And it was like, I was, um, you know, basically I would be spending, it depends. Like I'd get home roughly seven o'clock say between seven and eight or six and eight somewhere in that range and then basically from the time i get home till about nine i'm with the kids so it's like showers eating cleaning up dishes you know hanging out bath time bedtime like that whole routine so anything that i would normally do in that time period before kids now gets punted to you start that at nine o'clock yeah. And depending, sometimes the dishes were after the kids went to bed. And so then you're really looking at by the time you kind of get everything done and prepped, it's 9, 9.30. Well, if I got to go to bed by 10 to get up, well, all of a sudden I got things to do. I got a contract to send out. I have I have a couple things I need to catch up on. I have a few things at home I got to get to. So I was going to bed 11, 11.30, you know, not often over past 12, but it was definitely in the 11 o'clock hour. So I'm really trying to make a point now to go to bed lights out 10 o'clock yeah. it's tough but i was i was thinking in my head because i'm really trying you take any sleep stuff i took i actually took melatonin um i wasn't feeling good about two weeks ago because i was traveling a lot and i had a couple things going on and I, I took a little bit of melatonin more just to force myself to sleep but i was sleeping like six hours tops yeah and i'm much better at doing that like i can i used to not be able to function off six hours now i think just as soon as you have a kid i think like something biologically goes off and like your daddy instincts go in and you're like, bam, I'm good. I can, I can sleep six hours and I can function. Um, so I certainly can, but right now I get about six and a half to seven hours and I'm really, really trying to focus on not responding or doing anything in regards to incoming stuff after eight o'clock you know eight maybe not if it's somebody that i know has been trying to reach me all day or if i know i have to call them between eight and nine potentially uh but usually i i'm with the kids until about nine and then maybe i'll make a call at nine if i'm like hey listen i'll call you at like nine nine fifteen 
Yeah. Um, but I'm trying, that's very rare. So now it's to the point where if anything comes in inbound, any emails, any texts, anything like that, I will not answer them until probably nine o'clock the next day. Ooh, you just remind me of something. So what it allows me to do, if I go to bed at 10 and I wake up at, you know, 4.55, that allows me at 4.55 to get up, grab all my stuff, which I packed the night before, go in, change real quick out the door because I, I got to go pretty quick. And then, so all of a sudden it's like literally my, I, fi- I find that like my day starts around nine o'clock, meaning I prep everything. So when the kids go to bed, I have about an hour. So I'll prep all my stuff. I'll get my clothes ready for the next day. Get the stuff like the first, you know, take a shower in the morning, get all my shoes, get everything I need. Then I go 10 o'clock, go to bed, wake up early, get everything done. And basically what I'm trying to do is take like that nine to 10 o'clock hour or nine to 11 ish hour, um, or 10 to 12 hour and try to focus on that as my like seven to seven to nine hour in the morning. Um, I got to see how it's going to play out. The problem is I ha- I do have a th- like a million things going on. So my time's limited. So for me, I'm trying to figure out the best way to maximize my time by minimizing like what's wasting time. Like what is, what is things that I can punt out of my daily routine? I was punting my like working out and I was punting not eating correctly, which is one of the worst things you can punt. So I've, yeah. I'm really trying to be disciplined to say, I'm that's going to be my routine from basically 10 o'clock at night, like bedtime to, you know, 7.30 in the morning when I get back here, you know, eat, have a you know, stretch a little bit, and then I can get on and I can work for a couple, like an hour, hour and a half on stuff prior to, okay, now I got to take care of emails. Now I got to take care of. Yeah. So it, it's, it's difficult. <laughs> it's, it's always, uh, well, you know me, like I'm, I'm, I haven't been, I go through periods like being super healthy mm-hmm. and super unhealthy and I'm trying to not have as extreme highs and lows. I was going to say, stay a little bit more re- regulated. Yeah. So now I'm just trying to, like I did the keto diet, I felt great on it, but it was hard to maintain. And now I'm just trying to adapt some of that stuff where, you know, f- four days a week I'm trying to eat a salad. Like, just simple stuff like that. Like, every now and then, if I'm in a rush and I'm hungry, like, it's okay to eat some junk. But make breakfast every single morning. Like, don't don't wake up late and get something from Dunkin'. And I'm off the off the Juul, off cigarettes, off all nicotine. So so for you, I mean, I know you're doing Sober October. And, I mean, we're close to end, And you've been good, right? You haven't done anything? Yeah. So, I mean, is this something you think you're going to carry on? Or is it... Because I'm, I'm always curious if somebody... Because I don't have any... I don't take drugs. I don't... Yeah. I drink alcohol sparingly. Like yeah. if I if I if you're telling me don't drink alcohol, like if you told me you cannot drink alcohol for a year, I could do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I really drink it like weddings, I drink it socially, I drink it um, special events or if you go to a dinner and people have wine or something, I'll drink it, but we have with the exception of we have wine at our house. My wife doesn't really drink at all. And yeah. I mean she yeah, she does she doesn't really drink. And for me, I'm not gonna like open a bottle of wine and just drink it by myself. And I don't have any beer. I have no liquor. Like, so we, if I'm not out with people, I don't drink. Like we have the wish fund coming up on Thursday. Yeah, I'll probably drink that day. I have an event on Friday. I will probably, you know, have a couple of drinks that night. But it's not. It's because I'm going out and I'm in, a, you know, a setting where I'm just kind of hanging out with friends and relaxing. So, yeah, I don't have. I don't think I have an adverse relationship with like alcohol or drugs. But I know that. 
I do like them. Like I, I, I in well, college, you had, you had said before, like on weekends, you would definitely be drinking. Oh, I'll get like decently drunk, and I'm like, now, and then the same thing. You feel like crap the next day. Um, you know, most people who start smoking cigarettes, they do it when they're drunk. So I'm like not like I don't really want to get drunk because I really like my number one thing I don't want to smoke cigs I don't want to smoke the jewel I don't want any nicotine because I feel like that's like the number one I mean, worst thing do you, you think do. you can cut that out yeah no I'm done with it I'm never going back to it I mean is that because that's the thing like sober October but then all of a sudden like you said like one you have one or you have two like I, I've never tried either of them so I can't tell yeah. you like what if it's a, you know how addicting it is or whatever but it's more just something that you're used to like on the weekends I drink I used to drink every Thursday. I would basically get a Founders 15 pack, and I would drink like two or three on Thursday, some on like a decent amount on Friday, a decent amount on Saturday, and then you feel like crap the next day. You don't want to do stuff. So now, yeah, think. I mean, that's it's almost half the week you're drinking. Yeah, like in ex- I would say in excess. I mean, if you have yeah. three drinks or so, I think. Well, that's... my thing is too. Like I know, like I, I'm not a one one drink kind of guy. Like if I if I drink, I want to sort of drink. So I think for me, it's safer to just, you know, like my mom doesn't drink anymore. Like my dad used to drink a good amount, but doesn't really anymore. So I'm trying to bring it to more like, I don't need to drink at the house. I don't need to have other substances at the house and like that sort of thing. It should just be like, you know, maybe, maybe one day a week I'll have a few beers, but it doesn't need to like escalate. And like my neighbors up the road have a bar so like that's good and bad like it's good because i'm i never never mess around with drinking and driving like that's so scary to me Mm -hmm. but it's easy to go up the road and like have a few too many beers because i could just walk home so like stuff like that and part of it is not putting yourself in situations but also part of it is putting yourself in situations so you have the mind control like if i'm with someone who smokes cigarettes right now like i still go out with them and hang out with them when i smoke cigarette because I've faced that. Like I've been in a situation where I would normally have a cigarette. Mm. Now I've faced it and like I cannot have a cigarette. And like I haven't um I haven't had any drinks when I've had a cigarette, but I keep like repeat or I haven't had any been in a situation yet where I've had a few drinks, but like I just keep saying to myself, like, no matter what, I'm never going back. Like mm-hmm. it's not good. Like it seems the whole reason I have the farm is because I want to be healthy. I want to live super long, see grandkids, all that stuff. And I'm like, why am I working so hard on a farm to try and be healthy and literally poisoning myself? Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing that always blows my mind is that, because that's what, that's like the funny thing about you. Like if people were to say like, like, cause I mean, you, you've obviously where you're at right now, weight and everything like that, you're much heavier than you ever were back, yeah. back like when you were doing jitsu. And now obviously yeah. that was probably the extreme, but you know, I would say even three, four years ago it was a different story. So you always, but then people always ask me, I'm like, honestly, every time I'm, I go out to eat with you, you eat good. Like you don't, yeah. you're not really getting a lot of like burgers and fries. Like we go to breakfast in the morning, your meal's usually pretty good. Lunches are usually pretty good. So it's like, so that's what I was always asking you. Like, what's the problem? Is it Just like you said, eating. it's well, you said like nighting and you said drinking. So it's like stuff at home, Yeah, but it's the same thing. Like you guys probably eat better than. 90 plus percent of people around here because i would say even better better than 99 because yeah you grow most of the stuff that you eat well it's more like it's like snack runs sometimes like we'll have we'll have our main meal will be like healthy and we'll just have like chicken and rice or something like that mm -hmm. but then after sometimes you just eat late night or like 
with the podcast when I was getting home, like I would get home at like 10 and like, I'm not going to stop and cook dinner. I'm just going to pick up Burger King on the way Mm -hmm. and eating before bed. Like that's the easiest, like I never drink soda. I never did any of that stuff, but eating before bed packs on the pounds. Well, the, yeah. So one of the, one of the things that I've been looking, like I haven't worked out for, geez, like I said, nine weeks. And Mm -hmm. this is the first week that I've started. And what happens is I get, so if you go back like those nine weeks, most people would be like, oh, you gained all this weight. Like I haven't gained weight. Like I've lost weight. I've had three or four people in the last like three weeks say you look small, meaning you look thin, you look small, you look, cause the problem is I don't eat. Like I, it, it's just, I'm busy. So for me, like I'm trying to track what I eat right now. So for me, it's like, like I'm looking at it. I'm like, shit, okay. I had this much more. I have to eat tonight after this. And it's, I mean, it's a good amount of, it's a big meal. Like it's not something that I'm like, oh man, I got to go home and have like, half an ounce or like a two ounces of chicken and apple and like you know something like like a bird would eat like I, I have to eat a lot so the problem for me was even though I wasn't working out one I'm not working out so two I'm not that hungry and then the rest of the time it's you know it's tough to get food in so when I'm, I'm probably eating like a thousand to fifteen hundred calories a day which is what people use to like basically lose weight and that's just normal it's not like I'm under eating well, but I feel like it could be people- two o'clock in the afternoon before I even eat because I've just been running around like crazy like, I don't believe any of the stuff like, oh, it's genetics. I can never lose weight. Like, no, everybody can lose weight besides a very select few people who have something fucked up with them. Yeah. But yeah. I think people are predisposed. Like, they are just naturally, they just don't eat as much or they overeat. I don't think there's, it's a choice. And mm-hmm. like, like you, like, if you didn't work out and try and eat extra, like some people, I feel like just like Sarah, Sarah can just like not eat breakfast, not eat lunch and like be like, Oh, I just forgot. And I'm like, never happens with me. Yeah. So I mean, that's me. I can, I can go, if you give me black coffee, I literally can drink black coffee all morning. Next thing I know it's one 30 and I'm like, I got to go to an appointment. Next thing I know it's three 34 o'clock. And like, I'm eating the first time that day, not planned. It's just like, I didn't bring lunch. I've been running around doing a bunch of different stuff. So that's one of my big things now is like, can I consistently make you know, have enough food throughout the day. And I don't really need to say, like, if I happen to miss breakfast, that's fine. But as long as I'm getting my calories in the rest of the day, the hardest part is just prepping that and making time to eat it because, you know, it's like 20 minutes here to eat lunch. was like, I don't have 20 minutes to eat lunch. So then you're just kind of running around and, you know. Well, I think convenience is the killer. Like, if for me, that's why everything comes back to waking up early. Mm -hmm. You're running late. Oh, you just hit Dunkin' Donuts, and then since you're... I did that today. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's still, I got something that was relatively within what I'm trying to track, but it wasn't the best source of what I could have got. Well, think about... So, let's just break everything down. So, let's say there's 50 things on the menu at Dunkin' Donuts. Probably 45 of them are horrible for you and going to cause diabetes. And then there's like, you know, there's the power breakfast sandwich, and there's two or three healthy options out of the whole Dunkin' Donuts menu. Yeah. Let's think about a Stewart's. Like, the same thing. Like, yeah, there's apples and bananas at Stewart's, but 80% of it is just junk food and bullshit and, mm-hmm. like, convenience store stuff. So if you're generally getting your nutrition from there and you don't have super high willpower, there's a good chance that you're just going to pick up some bullshit because it's easier. Whereas if you plan ahead and, like, go to Aldi's or go plan your meals, if you make the choice... Like, if you don't choose convenience, you choose the hard path where, you know, it's much harder. Like, every morning I have an English muffin 
with a egg, like just a English muffin, egg and cheese, because I'm out of bacon. Like all the bacon's gone from this year. So in years past, I would just have one piece of bacon, scramble up eggs with like whatever, and just have that. Uh, if you choose the stuff beforehand, like you're gonna you're gonna end up in a better place and feel healthier versus getting the crappy breakfast on the road. And it's also nice to like eat and relax. Like I I enjoy that like on the weekends, like making a nice big breakfast and just mm-hmm. like relaxing and not multitasking during it. Yeah. And so many people, me included, like you just multitask during stuff. And I think there's times when, you know, have almonds in the car, have beef jerky in the car and just eat something quick on the road. But I think making a point to sit down and eat dinner and enjoy it makes you feel healthier. Yeah. I mean, it, it well, like I have a fridge here. I haven't stocked that fridge with food in months. And I used to always have, I would have apples, deli meat, yogurt, um, you know, perfect bars. I'd have, I would have stuff there that like, okay, I can't go get lunch today or I can't like, so I'm just going to, which and to me is much easier because I can just sit there, work at my desk and eat quick. Because I'm one of those guys too. I like a good meal. Like, don't get me wrong, but day to day, like my meals can be super bland because I'm just getting food in like as a fuel source. Not really like I, I don't need to have like a good breakfast or a good lunch. Like I'm super content pounding down a couple, a little like some deli meat or some like cold chicken or something like that. Throw in a couple like a fruit or something, and um, you know I don't know like some nuts or something like that. Like something yeah. super super basic. I don't need to go out to lunch. Now I go out to lunch for more for the social aspect because I, you know, meeting with people and stuff like that. But I mean, most of the time I'm, I'm cool with like eating here in about 15 minutes and getting back to work. Cause if I can, cause again, we talk about time wasting. If I can take that time and, and limit that. And there's times I'm just running around and a lot of times if I'm on the road and I'm like, I get food anyways, I might call up a friend and be like, dude, you want to go get lunch? But that's why I'm like a big Chipotle guy. One is I think it's probably the healthiest fast food type food around here the best quality food and then also like that's the thing i can get in and out fairly quick um i like chipotle chipotle always tastes uh, wet and cold to me oh shut your mouth that's the best i don't know chipotle is by far my favorite i'm I'm, actually i know i'm going there tonight because my wife just texted me and said to pick up something there so i'll be going to chipotle but Maybe, maybe i'll go and try out your order maybe i'm just ordering wrong well you can i mean there's a bunch of different stuff i mean i there's depends what you want to get like i I always get the bowl just because I, the burrito, well, one, the burrito, you had the flour tortilla, which, you know, I, I mean, kind of when you talk about like quality of food, I try to limit that kind of stuff. Yeah. And also it's, the burrito is tough to eat. Like I'll get the burrito if for some reason I have to be like in a car because it's a little easier to, you know, yeah. but 99% of the time I'm getting a bowl just because it's easy. I'd rather just scoop the food. Yeah. No, that's true. I like my on-the-go, like, fast food go-to is just a Chick-fil-A salad. I think they're great, and they fill me up. I, I got my, I've been to, I've been to Chick-fil-A twice. Both times was disappointed. Yeah. And I don't know if it's what I got or whatever, but, like, it's one of those, I think it was, like, I think I got the grilled nuggets. Because, again, like, I, this is the one thing I was talking about, like, eating oh. before. Like, I don't, I don't really eat bad. So when I go to places, even if I'm not working out, I still like, I think because I've just been doing it for like a decade now, I just still make good choices on food. Yeah. So if I go to like, like I automatically can go to like a Chick-fil-A and anything fried is off the menu. Like I just, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to get that. And then it's like, what can I get? Okay. French fries. Okay. Is there a better option? Now the one good thing about their fries, they're not super greasy. Yeah. So they actually seem like kind of potato-y, but 
like you said, a salad, grilled chicken. They have the options there, but one, it's pretty pricey, and two, I mean, I, both times I went, I wasn't really full. So yeah, for Chipotle, I'm but I'm full. I can be full for about ten bucks or just under that. Yeah, Chick Fil A, it's like twelve, thirteen, and I'm not full. So yeah, it's true. Yeah, the salads are probably ten, eleven bucks, but I just I feel like I can just make smarter choices and just not go crazy with stuff because in the past i would go crazy and like do something super hardcore and then just totally fall off the wagon the other way have you have you lost weight sober october you must have lost some i haven't weighed myself in a while i was super heavy last year after back surgery and i was like probably at the unhealthiest i've ever been where it was like crazy amount of cigarettes like eating like shit like Mm -hmm. just eating like snacks and bullshit and it makes you feel bad about yourself, honestly. And like, I couldn't really do physical stuff for so long, and you just feel like crap. And now I'm, I'm just trying to like slow and steady lose weight, not just like drop a ton of weight and then not be able to stick with that. Did did you? So like, because the one thing I've always we've had kind of a we've we've had a opposite opinion on is like you did the keto diet and things like that my my thing with diet because i think i find that you're like a fad guy when it comes to dieting and you're like i'm gonna try this it's good i get on the bandwagon the problem is a lot to me i think yes does the keto have merit to it sure i i every diet does but how easy is it to follow so my thing on that diet it's just it's you got to think in today's day and age it it's very tough to completely limit one or to completely eliminate one total thing. It's like when they used to say, don't eat fat. Well, that was, that was a lie. And then it's like, don't eat carbs. Well, I I get it. Like the low carb, high protein, high fat, low carb, like that, that's that diet works, but it depends on what you're doing too. Like the way I now, and again, I'm not a nutrition expert. I've always just looked at, you need protein, carbs, and fats. And I balance them in the sense that, what is the correct ratios and you kind of tweaking as you go. But if you're working out like the way I do it or, uh, cause I've had like, obviously I do CrossFit, but like if you do something with CrossFit majority of the time, you're doing something at a pretty high intensity level where you do need energy or you will completely bonk out quick yeah. where someone like a bodybuilder who's trying to like basically lower the body fat as, you know, as humanly possible as they can, They'll do like steady state cardio. Dude, those people are about to die on the day of their shows. Like they're well, yeah, they're so, so dehydrated. But yeah. if you take if you take like a bodybuilder, there's a reason why they can have like under 50 grams of carbs is because really are they do they need the energy? Well, they do, but it, I mean they're walking on a treadmill and they can kind of hold on and they can kind of get through it. But if you're sitting there and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, get your heart rate up and work for a prolonged time. That's why if you look at athletes. Majority of athletes eat a lot of carbs because their body needs it, and you do fuel but it. It's also more about where the carbs come from. Oh, hundred like, percent. That's the biggest thing. Like, I think, yeah. I think an interesting thing to back it up a little. All diets have the same exact success rates. Um, there was a study of keto, paleo, vegan, everything. Everything has the same exact success rate and the same exact um, chart of how much people lose weight. It's the people just going back to their old ways. So that's why I'm trying to, like, every diet, if you stick to it, it will work. doesn't matter the diet. Um, it's just you sticking to it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm trying to transform my thinking versus, like, uh, mine, my 
I think mine sort of comes from like uh, when you're training for a big tournament, you know, you're training for a tournament that's June 1st. It has an end date. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, all right, I got to lose 30 pounds from now until June 1st. I got to train super hard. I'm going to go extra hard and let other parts of my life fall because I'm really training for that. And then after, dude, I gained 85 pounds in a semester. Like That's I was, insane. I was down, but I was, I was actually jacked then. Like I was 220, like jacked, still jacked. And, um, and you got up to 300. No, I was, I went from, I think I made like 185 for a tournament and then went up to like 250 or something like that. But at like 250, I was still like, wasn't fat. Yeah. Like I was, I was doing a hardcore bulk where I was trying to gain weight. Like when okay. I, when I first met Sarah, I was working out like twice a day. And then, um, I would did a Spartan race, like right around when I first met her and like training like crazy for that, like in great shape, cut up six pack, like could run. I used to run like 12 miles, like a few times a week, no big deal. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I was like, Oh, you know, like it's the winter, like I'm going to do a bulk and you know, I could deadlift a few hundred pounds. I could finally put up like 225 on the bench press, like. I can never bench 225 a lot. I think I did it like maybe four times. That was mm-hmm. never my forte. Mm-hmm. But I tried to like bulk super hard. But then I kept the bulk eating and didn't really work out that hard. Like I'd maybe work out like three times a week. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just trying to live more just like a healthy lifestyle. Like I don't have to run a half marathon in the mornings, I've just been trying to walk for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just listen to a podcast on mortgages, stretch, move my body a little, and then do my chores, make breakfast, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been nice because I'm not like super tired. And I you just you feel great when you work out. And it doesn't have to be like you don't have to go to CrossFit at 4:30. Like I can just go on a go on a 30 minute walk. Yeah. And you know if you walk in the morning. Like, I, I remember the first day I smoked, like, the Juul, like, the whole time I was walking. And I'm like, nah, I can't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, you only get one set of lungs. Like, it's going to fuck you up. Yeah. I No, I think you're right. I think it's just moving because that's, that's the thing I'm doing right now. I got away from it. So, for me, having to move, um, that was the hardest part. That was the hardest part. But I think, um, you know, going to – or put, making it a routine, meaning – Again, starting for me, starting the night before just because I don't have a lot of time in the morning. So it's basically roll out of bed, throw my clothes on, grab everything, run out to the car, drive to the gym. So, I mean, from the time I wake up, 4.55, I get to the gym by, what, 5. Well, by the time I leave, I mean, I'm usually there about 20 after 5. So, I mean, but it's, it's the idea that, you know, within about 20 minutes, I'm up, changed, out the door, and drive, you know, an 8 eight minute commute or so to the gym. Um, so that brings me, like I said, back to just establishing a routine. But for me, I feel way better moving. Um, the stretching thing is, is something cause I, I'm so stiff and there's a point in time where I was stretching quite a bit. And when I stretch a lot, I just feel great. Like Dude, I, I recover great. So I sleep good. great. Um, so for me it was, yeah, it was like, I, w- I was, I was on the extreme, like I think both of me and you were both physically not doing well. But different reasons, like obviously you were more of like kind of the, the drugs and, you know, uh, nicotine and alcohol and things yeah, like that. Yeah, like lazy things. Yeah, and then mine was just not really maximizing the physicalness. Um, 
stretching, you know, going to the gym, the eating. I I ate decent, but it wasn't like I wasn't really. I can eat a lot better, a lot better. I mean, yeah. I, there's so much room for improvement that I'm really trying to focus on that now over the next probably, you know, two three months. Not to say like there's like an end game, but like for me, they talk about like what, how long does it take to make something a habit. So for me, like making a habit, they usually say well, about 90 days is a true habit. Like you can, you know, 30 days you're, you're on your way, but like to really go 90 days, it's kind of you ingrained it into your being. So for me, if I can go, you know, pretty much through the new year, be consistent at this. And again, it's a long time. So I don't, I don't look at it like that long of a date. Like I'm not looking at it like, let me do this for three months or the rest of my life kind of thing. It's like, can I tonight make sure that i have everything packed and i'm to bed by 10 like that's yeah. like my goal so it's a baby step and then the next day i have everything laid out make sure i don't oversleep and i get up and once i get up it's like ding 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 once i get to the gym i'm usually good like once i get to the the hardest part is like getting prepped and getting to the gym once i'm there there's i mean there's 12 other people there so i mean you have accountability you have friends you have you know even if you're kind of slogging through it by the time you're done you're like wide awake ready to go yeah and when i hit that point i get here like my day is off on a good on a good foot. I feel great. You're I've energized. Energy, yeah. And the good thing is, like, like right now is what probably like almost six thirty seven o'clock. Yeah. Like I can already feel myself slowly kind of getting tired. So like by the time ten o'clock comes around, like I'm ready for bed. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get to because I wasn't doing that before. Like I would be like wired at ten. I'd be like I'm staying up till midnight because my I'm, biggest thing, and I think it's just me being stupid, is like I've never. I always wanted to be like a lone wolf sort of and not like not do like jujitsu it's a it's a individual sport but you still have like a team that you're training with Mm -hmm. but i would put myself in the deep end like i would just go to the studio and work out alone and like when i was doing the sparring races like i would just go on trail runs like alone and work out alone like a crazy person and i i feel like i probably would do great in a team environment but I feel like I'm just like, no, I got to just do it on my own. And I think that's just like a silly mental thing for but me. You, you said it before, though. Like if you think about when you first. So when I was working out a lot, like five years ago, I was working out all the time, five, six years ago. And I would say even up to about three years ago, I was working out all the time. And then I kind of hit a little bit of a hiatus. And part of it was when I had, well, a couple things. I have two kids now under two. I mean, that is a. Now, my wife is phenomenal. I mean, she's great with the kids. But like I said, if I go home, you know, there's a couple hours that now are taken up by them versus stuff that I could get done sooner or extra stuff. So I lose a couple hours there every day. And then weekends, most of my weekend is, you know, I'm with them a lot. I'm still doing stuff around the house. Like I've been doing a lot of projects around the house to get stuff prepped for things. And um, so that's been a little chaotic, but I'm home a lot. I'm kind of like you. I try to be very at home during the weekend. Yeah. And, but it takes like, it's that mixed in with having a lot or a big responsibility here at the office, you know, and, and training people and obviously just me doing business, but me also running the office like pretty much here that's a lot of responsibility and that comes and also with different things I've taken on and different opportunities that have arisen. I mean, I still have the same 24 hours in a day, but, my, but there's a lot more things that are taking up my time and, and attention. Pulling you around. Yeah. So for me, it's like, how do I stay disciplined enough? And there's like the working out I've struggled at the, the eating and prepping of food I've struggled at. Like I've, I, I eat out way more now than I ever have because part of it is 
obviously with the business and stuff like that, but a lot of it is just convenience because like I don't, I can't make food. I, I can't prep. Um, it's not that I don't want to, but when I'm gone from, you know, early in the morning until six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And then when I get home, it's kid time. And then it's like, and you know, I'm not going to start prepping food at nine o'clock at night. Cause I gotta get to bed to start over the next day. So like you can see this vicious cycle of, you know, trying to get food, you know, made and ready. So it's like, do you do it on the weekends and prep, which makes sense. But like, I mean, the other night we made a crock pot, which is great because that's quick Dude, and easy crock pot you can eat for like a week off of i love sarah made like a ham chili the other day that sounds good oh uh, dude we've been eating it for like honestly it's probably like two weeks it's probably gonna go bad soon but like chili is so great and so yeah. easy and so just freeze it bag it and yeah thought out i mean it's stuff like that or if you mass produce like you start grilling one day and just make like like eight so eight but you know make like four or five pounds of chicken something yeah. like that or make you know put a different flavoring on them or different That's seasonings too because i like i'm like no i just want to like at home, I I only eat my meat or from like a local neighboring farm. Mm-hmm. Like during the day, like I can't go to sip and be like, "Hey, can you put my chicken on this?" type yeah. thing. And it is way harder to mass produce stuff. Like like every Sunday, or I try and like I'll roast a chicken on Sunday, and then I'm I'm pretty good at making like four or five meals out of like one piece of meat, basically. Mm-hmm. So I'll do. Roasted. Uh, I'll do a beer can chicken on Sunday, which I'm finally getting good at. Like I finally figuring out crispy chick, crispy skin, and then the next day, um, just have like chicken with whatever. Like just cutting off some chicken, and then I make a chicken stock and a soup, and stuff like that is a good way to do it. But it's also way harder. Like it's so much harder to make a chicken stock from scratch and cutting up all the onions yeah. and carrots and vegetables. But I love doing it. So I'm trying to figure out the crossroads of like convenience and also like, I'm not going to say like pioneer life, but I'm trying to, I'm more doing it because I just don't trust like big ag and like big food companies to not put bullshit in food. Like, and also everything you read online can be totally fake. Like I remember I saw an article today, like every baby food has like 76 banned chemicals or something in it. And it's like, is that right? Is that not right? Anybody? Yeah, someone told me that the other day it has a arsenic yeah, in arsenic it or carcinogen or something. Shit. Yeah, and it's like, does it? My my problem with stupid things like one, people have ate that stuff for years. Babies ate ate that stuff for years. Think think apples. Apples have arsenic in them. How many apple seeds do you have to have until that arsenic is to a dangerous level? So this is the thing, like, yeah, I guarantee you it's got something that causes cancer. I guarantee you everything's got something that causes cancer in it. But how much of it do you need to actually, like, if you're talking, it's got to... you need to eat 400 apple, 400 seeds of apples to get, like, actual, like, a detectable level of arsenic. So you're going to eat 400 apples. Yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't mean, make sense. Even if you core out all the apple seeds and what do you take them, like, pills, you know what I mean? Like, throw yeah. them back and, and swallow water or something like that, like... You're not going to do that. Like, nobody in the right mind. So, I don't think big ag, like, I don't really think it's like apples. Like, I think a lot of stuff is like made in a factory. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not the. Or is it the pesticides they use that make it into the apple seeds? I mean, it's go down, I don't know know how it works, you know, go down the the stem into the seeds or something. But, well, apples are like sprayed for fruit. Like, I I use an organic fruit tree spray, and you're supposed to do it every week. And I, I got lazy a few weeks and didn't spray them. And, like, my trees got infested with, like, bugs. So I still, it's like essential oils or some hippie shit. But it works pretty good. Like, big-scale farms 
like they're spraying some pretty heavy shit on the apples. Yeah, I just it all those little things. The, the other thing that used to kill me, you know, like Men's Health magazine, mm-hmm. where you get all these other like magazines that you would see these health magazines, and they would always put uh, a recent study shows blah 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 blah, and I'm like, okay, like, well, that's you're, you're talking. You're who's the people that you're pulling <coughs> from? Is it a bunch of people from a certain country in a certain region? That there's so many f- external factors that could contribute to that. That all that stuff to me, unless you're doing, unless you're like legitimately doing. Like everything is a lie. Like that's how I almost feel. Like any study I, can be manipulated that's to the make thing. it look good, or you can take the results that look good. Like that might be the positive or negative result, but everything else was good or bad, the opposite. And yeah. I, I, I never put stock in that kind of stuff. Like to me, there's certain things, and there's certain things. Like is there? Like we talked about it before. Like the uh, the low fat idea. Like having no fat and stuff. Having everything be fat free. Like that was what was pushed, but that was like a propaganda thing yeah. by. Big but, sugar, baby. Yeah, because they want it. Like you're talking about people that wanted you to buy the processed foods and the grains and all this crap. That because that's how they made money. And then I the pharmaceuticals that used to be more of a joke, but I found out that sh- big sugar was like a massive thing in Florida. Oh, like cane sugar and stuff. Yeah, well, it was actually. Like, I always thought that was. I knew like there were sugar companies and they had influence, but mm-hmm. it's all based out of Florida because that's such an important state. Like I guess Florida is like a swing state for elections. Yeah, and there was massive sugar corporations that's, who well, did do that. Well, that's that's why a lot of the stuff like you talk about, and there's things I get like so again. I had a couple. I've had a couple politicians on here, and I've always talked, and they make a good point. Like, should there be term limits? There's arguments both ways. Now, the term limit idea for like you know people in Congress is that they do have a term limit every time there's an election. That's a term limit, like, and you get voted back in by your your constituents that are actually wanting you to represent them. So I totally get that aspect, but there is, and, and I, yeah, so if somebody wants to vote you in, it's the best way to do it. Like if you've earned that right and people want you in and you're the best choice, then I, I get that. The problem is when you get down to the, the level of Washington, well, what happens? You got all these special interest groups. You have all these like different, different, uh, um, what's it called? Like the Democrats and Republicans and all these things like pushing money behind certain candidates. Well, I mean, and, and I know it's a fictional show, but you take a look at House of Cards or West Wing or all these like... All that stuff is but, real. But a lot sure. of that stuff, yeah. Like it might be a semi-embellished for the show. Um, money, but, money ruins everything. Like I don't believe it, in big scale politics, like the the state level a little bit, like but the federal level, like... I think if you want to make a difference, going like local, and you can actually make a difference local. Where I really don't think somebody can well, make a difference on the grand scale. Well, so well to finish this thought, like if you if somebody gives you money, like if you go down and you're in Washington, and all of a sudden you go down there, and it's kind of like a good lifestyle, you know, and everything's kind of cool, and you're kind of in this club, and everybody wants to be down there, and then all of a sudden someone goes taps on you, be like, hey, you know, we really like you, you know, we expect you to vote for these things. And we'll also contribute this many millions of dollars towards your re-election campaign. Well, they're like, wow, they're giving me all this money. I don't have to fundraise. I can get the money. This is going to help me come back to this lifestyle. And all I got to do is vote yes on a couple things. Sure. And what happens is, well, what are those couple things? What's the ramifications of you voting for that? The problem is everybody goes down there and sells their soul because they go down. I mean, the idea back in the day when like everybody came up and I get it, like there's certain things that are dated, but like you take like. The initial founding fathers that time, I, I know it's 300 years ago, but those guys went in with the attention of, I'm going to go in, serve a year, two years, whatever, in Philadelphia or D.C. or wherever the capital was. 
Then I'm going to go back to my farm in Virginia. Then I'm going to go back to New York. Then I'm going to go back to Ohio. So what happened was these guys were going in and serving like what people around here do on a board. You go and serve on a local board for a year or two and then new people come in. And that's how I, I believe politics should work. The problem is nobody going on like a local board around here is like running for election like they well, kind of it's a career like i feel like at a certain point if you're a career politician mm-hmm. you're just sort of working for who's gonna well, you have to raise funds all the time and you have to make well, money for people who want to pay for you to do stuff there's also the idea of that yes if you're in longer and you have the seniority can you get more pull for the constituents of your of your uh, area or district yes i i totally agree that's like anything else you've earned the merit you've earned the poll you know if you're now you're, you've been in for 30 years and people are coming in that are brand new you have a lot more clout you have we a lot have more connections record. i feel like it's mostly just name right yeah like take I, I like, like take uh what's his name like peter welsh over and um bernie sanders those guys have been there for yeah. years and not to say they're not the best guys but how much money has has been pumped into their elections and i mean yeah. and don't get like bernie saying he doesn't collect money you're still, I mean, you're not collecting. I guarantee you you're getting some money somehow, some way. Yeah. And. Well, I think his average donation is $26, but it's still, like, he still has big, everything is big unit. Like, I think everything is corrupt. Like, I. Oh, 100%. Maybe I have a stupid way of looking at it, but, like. I, I think it all is at the, at a certain level. And, and not not corrupt, like, I hate the people that. Like, the people that shit on people that are successful is one of my pet peeves. So, like, people that hate. LeBron James, people that hate the Patriots, people that hate Matt um, Craig. Matt Craig. I mean, but think about if somebody's successful, you automatically generate people that don't like you, and a lot of it just because is more of an envious thing. If Tom Brady had one Super Bowl and didn't have six Super Bowls and was only good every few seasons, would anybody care about him? No. The fact that he's forty three and still the best uh, quarterback in the NFL now people want shit on him. LeBron James, same thing. Now, yes, has LeBron made mistakes? Sure, but he's under the public eye. He's under a magnifying glass. He's going to slip up here and there, but people want to shit on him. You, but you can't deny he's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. And then, so my thing, like, how, how many people go after... Well, you, you probably know, have people who, in the industry, don't like you because you're like, oh, well... Yeah. He oh, got, yeah. He got this, and, it, you know, if I had this, that, it'd be the, easy for the, me. The, and if this, I had... This, well, this is the first year, if you take that... Because what I was going to go, I was going to talk like Facebook and Amazon. These people have made life very convenient for a lot of people, or they've put something out that has been... Um, uh, it works. Like People a, like it. Well, Amazon has made things convenient. Facebook the same way, but Facebook's also a fun thing to go on. People go on for the social aspect. People go on. I mean, everybody's on Facebook all day long. They want to be connected. So these guys came up with a solution to a problem or something that was very much um, people wanted. It was, there was a big a big uh, desire for it. And now you get all these like people are, are shitting all over them and critiquing them and critiquing this and that and the other thing. It's like... Yes, I'm sure there's going to be slip ups, but like, so people are going after these people like very hypocritically. Like, well, the more they want to shit on Facebook, but yet you're still updating your feed and still looking through stuff. The more eyes and microscopes you have on you, the more stuff people are going to find is wrong. Well, okay, so back to your your thing with real estate. Like this year, I, I mean, I say this year. Uh, I mean, I've tried track my stuff every year. Like my last four years have been, you know, I've improved tremendously. Yeah. Um, I've over the last four years, I've gone up to the very top echelon of production of agents around here. Um, we have, you know, we've gone into Platts, the Plattsburgh, I say the Plattsburgh market. We were in Plattsburgh, but we now we have an office in Plattsburgh. Then we got a bigger office in Plattsburgh. 
We've doubled the agents we've had from last year. We're almost double what we sold, our company did production-wise last year. That's all fine. It's I mean, it's all phenomenal stuff. Our you know we've we've grown our name, we've grown our image, we've made I've made a ton of connections over the last couple of years. But for every one of those, for every person that I've made a positive connection or a positive, and I think at the end of the day, I'm a very positive person. I'm a very um, I really don't give a shit about what people do, meaning I do and I don't like, I care about my friends. I care about your success and yeah. people from ADKYP and all. And, but at the end of the day, like, especially when it comes down to real estate, like no offense, if it's, if you're not in my office, I really don't know what you're doing. Like, and I have an idea. I follow stuff. I see things online and stuff, but I'm not really concerned with what agents are doing on a day-to-day basis. On the flip side, there are plenty of agents that are that are concerned with what the hell I'm doing because I know because I get written up all the time. I mean, the amount of times that I've been contacted by the board office this year on, you know, well, we had this complaint. Hey, we have to check this. Hey, we have to do that. I think out of everything this year, there was one thing that I had to change and it was something that we did on the marketing piece and it was a very simple fix and we took care of it and there's no issue. But but for someone to even have that complaint, they had to deep dive into what I was posting. Well, they're watching you. Well, but, but I mean, you have to be watching and like flipping through, like trying to find stuff. No, and, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. They're like and, trying to catch you in a trap. And the thing is like nothing's done maliciously. So it was one of those things like, oh, I didn't realize that. Let me change it. And it was a super easy fix. But like, yeah. so not only that, you have to know all these stupid regulations that to be honest, if you know all of them, you are you have way too much time in your hands because they change all the time, and and you know, and a lot of them are. It's kind of like anything else. Like every industry has more and more. Oh, but nothing gets taken away. You think real estate? You think realtors, oh, bud? Banks, yeah. man. Oh, I know. Have. But but think about nothing ever gets taken away. It always gets added on. Yeah. So that's why our closings are not going to get any shorter. They're going to get longer and longer and longer because every year a new document's going to get tossed in the pile. Ten years from now, you're going to have six more documents, seven more documents. Now it's like, okay, here's another three minutes of signing. But, but the funny thing is the amount of agents in that sense that come after you, and that's kind of the same thing on a lesser scale, but people go after people that are successful. I'm like the exact opposite. Like if I see someone that's good, I'm like, you know what? I want to just outdo them. I don't care. They can, I hope they, I always look at it. I, I hope that people, and I did this in sports too. Like I didn't want to beat a team because they played bad. Like I wanted to beat a team because we played better. Like I, I, I firm, like I played in state championship games. I coached in state championship games. Uh, well, I mean, I was, you know, assistant coach in them. Um, I played in, you know, just games in general, like bigger games. We had a big game against a team. I always wanted that other team to play perfect. I didn't want anybody to get injured. I didn't, like, I literally in my head, this is what I went into games as, is I want them to play the best game they can play, and I want us to play the best game we can play, and the better team, I want the better team to win. And I obviously had a lot of confidence in our teams at the time, but it's the same thing. I didn't want to go win a game because the star player on the other team got injured, which made our made the game really kind of lopsided, or you know, or something happened where a kid scored an own goal, which was a fluke goal. Like I don't want that stuff to happen. Like I want to earn our goals. Yeah. I want you to earn yours. You want a clean win where nobody well, can try and take that away from you. Or well, but you I, but even- it, well, for me, it's like I, I'm super competitive, but I'm super competitive with myself in the sense that I want to make sure that I earned what I accomplished. Like, I don't want to be given it. So like for me, when I talk about goals in real estate, like I want to earn every one of those goals and I want it to be hard. Like I want, I want to be, Hey, number one realtor. Okay. I want it to be hard. I want other realtors to be really freaking good. And I got to try to outdo them because I don't want to sit there and be like, God, I hope they don't close any more big deals this year or else I'm not going to be 
you know, number one. No, I hope they do because I, I mean, it makes me work harder. And I've, I've always had that mindset, but I find that most people don't have that mindset. And I posted something today. Of course, we, we talk about our, uh, our boy Gary. Um, let me see. Let me find it. On your story. What was it? Right? On stories? And this will be the perfect example because you'll, you'll hear exactly what I mean by this. So, okay. So, Gary posted this earlier. No, that was me. Gary posted this thing. He goes, less envy of others, more actually being happy for them because the world is abundant and what they are getting isn't coming out of yours. You focusing on their lives is coming out of yours, which is literally the exact scenario I'm talking about. Like if people, if you dwell too much on, like I don't look at anybody's, what people are doing real estate wise and say, oh, because so-and-so is doing this, I got to do this or that. Like my stuff is my stuff. Like I have what I want to do. I have plans I want to do. I have the direction. I have the strategy. All that stuff is laid out in my head, which gets thrown out on boards and projects and then gets worked on and executed and put into play. But for me, if someone else does something different, like I don't, I don't really care. Like I kind of, I see when agents post stuff. I follow a lot of agents on Facebook. Yeah. How much, like I've gotten to the point now over the last few months, I don't even look at what they, because not to, not to shit on anybody, but like most of the stuff that gets pointed or posted is not very good. So yeah. for me, it's not, it's not one that, like I really understand marketing. So for me, I've kind of gotten to the conclusion that most of the stuff online is like, it's fine if people are posting. I can see when they're posting. One, they're not posting enough. Two, the, the stuff they're posting is not relevant. Three, it's not, if, even if it's semi-relevant, it's not posted correctly. So when you go layers deep, I always look at it like, I, I know I'm executing at a level up here and nobody really else is that I can see. And for me to go to go on that and dwell on that and try to study them. I'm like, it's not, if somebody was doing something better, like I follow a lot of pages. They're not anybody around here. Cause you know, they're people that are in other cities, other industries. And I'm like, I like how they do it. I'm going to learn from them and I'm going to follow that. And I'm going to keep improving my game. It's kind of like w- golfing, like to get better. You got to like, you play with me cause I'm better and it makes you better. When I go out and play with people that aren't as good as me, I don't play as good. Same yeah. thing when I used to play a lot of golf, I would always want to play with my, the people I knew who were the best because I wanted to get better. Same thing with soccer. I wanted to be in the possession game with the best players to get better. I don't want to go into the game that I'm going to dominate because I'm not getting, I'm not challenging myself. Same thing in real estate. Like I'm not going to focus on things that are, aren't done as well as I am because then I'm looking in the rearview mirror and it's like, why would I want to take a step back? The only time I ever do that is when I look at like an Ellie or a Courtney or a Hannah. Like I want to go down and help them get better because I'm not looking at them like, I'm not, I'm studying what they're doing, but I'm studying it from, cause I have a, I, you know, I take, I take a lot of, um, what's the word? I take a lot of responsibility on myself as I got all of them pretty much into real estate. And now that they're in real estate and they want to make it a full-time job, I take that responsibility on as, Hey, I got to provide a platform. I got to provide, I got to stay up the, up the speed on how things are done correctly. I got to stay up to speed on marketing. I got to stay up to speed on the real estate industry. Um, I got to stay up to speed on like, that's why I'm always actively in real estate. So I don't lose my edge. And then how can I transfer that to the agents on our team? So well, those are the ones I really follow. Well, also it's and, a big, it's a long-term investment for you. Cause if you get, you know, if you, if you turn one or two of them into rock stars and they really do great, it's great for you. Like long-term financially and long-term for the feasibility of the business. Cause it, not like, I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm only training them to, for the bottom line. 
Not even that. It, like it's like a mental bottom you, line. You if, know what? If they are good and don't make any mistakes, it's going to be less headaches and easier for you, and then they can train people. So, so the there's it's it's kind of funny. So people don't really know this in our industry, and as, as I'm finding out more and more. So a year, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I redid all our commission splits. I studied everybody else's commission splits. I crunched numbers. I went back and forth. I said this scenario. I came up with a bunch of different ideas, and I kept saying, well, "Why wouldn't this one work?" Okay, this it wouldn't work in this scenario. Cross it out. Retweak. Tweak. 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 I finally got a I got a roughly a commission structure that I think is currently right now the best one out there in our area. Whether you no matter what company you're at, and I know it's the best net to somebody, which at the end of the day, that's what it's not gross, it's net. But at, also at the end of the day, I was going off of the best net. I would, we weren't we weren't far behind on gross profit either for agents. But now that I was I was doing it, I was giving way too much credit to a couple companies that coming to find out were actually the splits weren't what I originally thought they were, and I gave them way too much credit. So actually, I think now I'd have to go back and look. I think we actually potentially could have the best gross gross commission now and um, net. But the reason I put that in play is financially, I'm not super motivated financially. Like it, I just know myself, like at the end of the day, I'm going to do enough. Like I'll be comfortable. I don't really need to sit there and bring a bunch of agents on. Like I want the agents to make enough money that we can run the company and we can reinvest in the company. We can grow the company, which will allow us to reinvest back in agents. It's just a, it's just a wheel or it's just a, you know, we just keep pushing yeah. it in and it's, it's just kind of, um, you know, it just keeps going back or, uh, refilling the pipeline kind of thing. But on the same token as we, that's why one of my favorite quotes is a rising tide raises all ships is how can we all, you know, throw into this community pile that's going to reinvest everybody. And it's going to get us from here to here to here to here. And the way we have it now is I I've set up a position where agents make more money with us than anywhere else. And because I don't really need all like I would rather have them make more money. So the way I look at it is like I want an Ellie. I want a Courtney. I want a Hannah. I want them to because I believe not like they don't have to kill themselves to do it. They can make double, triple, 4x the average um, the average salary in our area without a doubt. And I don't think they really have to kill themselves to do it. And I think the, the problem is in real estate, a lot of the old way of doing it and there's still some brokerages around here they take too much from the agent the agents nowadays um, I think we provide a lot at our company for other for our agents most companies don't provide anywhere near what we provide but they take more money and we're almost giving more and taking less with the idea that by doing that we're allowing the agent to really invest in the agent to grow them and in turn as they get better we will attract better people to work here we will also because of that, you know, that will help, you know, alleviate and allow us to have ex- extra money to spend and do stuff. Um, but most, most of the stuff is to basically leverage our office. The more people we have working here, the more, if Ellie has to go on a, if Ellie wants to get married and go on her honeymoon for a week, she doesn't have to worry about clients because yeah. then, okay, well, I have other agents. If you're a one man show or one or two person show, you're, you're tough trying to juggle everything. So now yeah. it's kind of nice. I can go on a trip and I have People I can lean to and be like, hey, guys, can you cover me on this appointment? Can, ding, ding, and ding. So a lot of it, had that that is a good way to do it. Um, so, I mean, it's, but yeah, I mean, I take a lot of responsibility because I'm really starting from, 
Let's see, we're not not we're definitely not scratch, but we're trying to like Kavanaugh 2.0, which we're trying to really grow this and elevate it into a 2019 world. Um, and I think we're doing a great job at it. And it's just it it's it's a marathon, you know what I mean? So, but I think we're attracting good people, which I think about a year and a half ago, I didn't have a lot of these people around. Uh, Ellie's Ellie's probably almost a year and a half in, like yeah. with me knowing Ellie. Hannah's, you know, a little over a year in. Um, I've known Courtney, but Courtney hasn't. Courtney just got into real estate. Like Courtney talked to me about real estate in February or March, and she started in June. You know, so I mean, they haven't been doing it that long. So for me, it's like, you know, if I can work with an Ellie, a Courtney, a Hannah for 20, 30 years, that would be really cool. Yeah. But we're now laying the groundwork for that where that's my thing. It's like I'm I'm so down the line looking at this that um, to me it's not a marathon of it. It's got to be done today. It's like, no, I'll, I'm going to keep plugging because it's kind of cool when you look back at the end of the year. And even though you don't think you made a lot of progress, you made a lot of progress. Yeah. Because I don't know, do you, do you do a lot of like, I mean, obviously you have goals and stuff like that, which you want to accomplish. I'm pretty bad at the, like even with my house and with the farm, I'm very bad at sitting back and appreciating all I've done. I yeah. always feel like I'm doing bad. And I think that's just something that I have to deal with because like, you know, I'm, I'm president at ADKYP when I, a few years ago, I just was a member of ADKYP and just got on the board and that sort of thing. Like, I never really take the time to, I'm like, oh man, like, I'll come home and notice the stuff that's not done or not done perfect versus being so happy about what is done. And I don't take the time to smell the roses. I just dwell on the things that aren't perfect yet. And I'm trying to get better at that and like in truly like enjoy life and like, like with the farm, like, you know, first it was two pigs and then it was six pigs and then this year it's 14. Like I never feel like I'm doing better. I'm just yeah. like, oh man, it's always like, improving. Like I'm spending too much on green. I got to do this. I got to do that. Um, like the, I'm, I just have a hard time sitting back and smelling the roses. And I think that's from, um, Growing up with plumbing background with my dad, plumbing, like, everything does have to be perfect. If not, like, it doesn't work and stuff can break and, you know, somebody's trusting you to go into their house and do that. So my dad was always, um, not, I'm not going to say negative, but would, if I didn't do anything right, he would point that out. And if I did nine steps right but didn't do ten right, it doesn't matter. The job was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to unlearn that and be happy about the job and realize it's not going to be perfect. Like sometimes I get jealous because I'm like, man, I've had my house for three years. Like my house isn't even close to being done. Like, man, I suck. Like I'm, am I lazy? What am I doing wrong? But then I'm like, like if we put the effort that we put outside inside, like we built like four or five buildings and we've cleared acres and got land cleared and sawmilled and put solar panels in and mm -hmm. like, I don't know why I don't give myself props for that. I just focus what, on the bad. What was the... It, it, oh, okay. So a quote. And uh, I was told this. And people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in like five or ten years. Yeah. Is that most people set their ten, five and ten-year goals too, short, too, too low, but they set their one-year goals too high, meaning I want to accomplish all this stuff. And everybody's like that. I, I'm... I, I'm guilty of this too. I mean, I look, if I, I look at the board up there, like my board up there, that's a lot of stuff. None of that right now is on my to-do list to get done. 
I shouldn't say none of it. I mean, there's a couple things on there. Some of that stuff will take me a couple years. Some of that stuff's been on that board already now for a year and a half has not been touched. Now there's been a ton on there that's been taken off. So I have done a lot, but you think about all the stuff up there. There's a lot of things that I still need to do. Then I know for sure, um, you know, for, for me, it's just, it's going to be a long-term process. Um, there's certain things that I like for me up here, like these are my three big things that I have to do or want to do in the next three months. And for me, it's, it simplifies it. So this is overwhelming. I look at this, all my thoughts go up on there. So if I take an email and I send it to myself of a to do, I toss it up on that board and that's just my master sheet. That's just to get all of my thoughts out of my head, off paper, off email, off electronics, and up on a whiteboard where I can see it. So you do you meet with customers in here a lot? No, never. Never. The conference room. All right. So that's one thing. Like I would love to have one of those in my office, but I know I can't because the customers just read it and it'd be weird. Well, I don't care. I mean, I don't care if people read it. Because the thing I always look at, like, I don't care if clients read it. I mean, honestly, if clients read it, because they used to. My, my old spot was a one-room place, so people would be there and they would yeah, see it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So for me, it's like I don't really care if people look on it because there's stuff on there that, if anything, they look at it and say, wow, this kid's actually got stuff he really wants to accomplish. Like, I look at that. If I saw a bunch of vision boards, like I love seeing whiteboards of people putting thoughts on it. Obviously, I'm hoping they're doing stuff about it, but, you know, you're 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 actually trying to improve yourself. Like, I'm... One of my biggest things is like I love learning. I'm like a lifelong student kind of thing, and I'm always trying to get better. Like always trying to get better in everything. And what we talked about before, like you with trying to get over smoking, me with getting more consistent with gym and eating. Like that kind of stuff is always going to be a work in progress. I might kill it for three, two, three, four months and be like awesome, and then may fall off the wagon for a month. But the idea is that I'm I, I'm going to recognize that stop basically stop the slide as quick as I can. This is probably the longest time. This is the longest I've taken off working out in over 10 years. But I had other things that I was prioritizing over it and kind of to take a Craig DeBoost thing. Like it's just what, what are you prioritizing? Cause he goes, all excuses are bullshit. He goes, why are you, you know, why, why are you prioritizing one thing over the other? I was prioritizing different things. I wasn't putting eating well and sleeping well and, and working out and mobility and things like that at the top of my list. Now I'm kind of shifting some stuff up because I know that I I slipped too much where now it became, I could feel it becoming a detriment. Yeah. Um, but in regards to people seeing that stuff, like I don't think anybody cares. Like people come in here. I mean, you've read that board probably a million times. You know what I mean? Like yeah. other people have come in here and seen the board. I mean, all, all the agents that work here, you know, they'll come in and hang out in the office and they'll see the stuff. And I don't care. I mean, I really... I used to think about it and I'm like, I don't care if people literally, if every agent on our board came and read through all that stuff, I would have no problem because at the end of the day, they're not going to do anything because at the end of the day, you got to think about it. The number one thing that stops people is action and being consistent. So if you're not taking consistent action on anything, it doesn't matter. You could literally, I could hand you the keys to the castle. And if you don't know, you know what I mean? If you don't know how to actually use it or whatever, same thing with our agents. Like I, I can sit there and like, I, I think our agents, I, we're not coming off like cocky or boastful, but like, I don't think there's a better person to learn from in real estate right now. I really don't because I think from everything, I think my, my knowledge of the industry and, and where it's going and the marketing and the, I can read people very well, like all that stuff. I've, well, how I've, long was your dad in the business too? He's been in like 35 years. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure he passed down knowledge to you. It's like a yeah, multi-generation 100%. thing. Like, so. like he passed down some stuff. I think a lot of it is stuff that you were born with. I mean, you know, genetically, you know, obviously, 
Um, I've, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more like my dad in certain aspects. Um, I used to be very much like my mom and, um, you know, I was, I've kind of shifted a little bit in regards to like this kind of stuff. Um, but I got a good mixture. My dad is way more, um, I'm a little more calmer than he is at times where sometimes like he'll get pissed off quicker than I will. And I'll be able to kind of step back and, and take, you know, kind of deep breath and, and assess the situation. And he's told me that a few times that that's something that he, he wishes he was better at. But, but if I look at like all this stuff is like, if I was to tell, like if I was to, you know, go down and say, Oh, well, what's this mean? Well, this is what it means. Ding, ding, ding. This is what you should be doing. This is how to do it. I mean, think about all my posts. Think about realty talk. I'm literally just talking about everything I would tell an agent on my team, but you know, who actually listens to realty talk and has actually, I think taken a lot from it is Philip. And Philip's told me he listens to every single one and look what he's done. And I'm not going to say that I'm the reason why Philip's had success. I don't believe that at all, but I do believe that Philip's a kid that, um, is a very, he loves what he does. He's got a very good, um, go getter kind of attitude and he will do stuff. Like, I think he's very actionable person. Yeah. So for me, him listening to that stuff is great. That's who I want. Like I'm telling you because I know you'll actually take it and run with it. And to kind of go back to what Gary posts, what do I care if, if he triples his business? Is that going to take away from me? No. If every agent around here got better, to be honest, I wish agents got majority of agents got better because I think there's too many agents. Yeah. I mean, we have 140 agents and you know, I really, I think, I think yeah. you would take 70 of those, take half of those and just completely get rid of them. I mean, because, yeah. because I mean, you think about the agents that are doing one, two, three deals a year, it's like, well, why don't you just get out of it and let the agents that are doing it full time handle that? Well, it just makes it harder because, you know, if you need, if I need an FHA addendum, they're not in the office type thing. And they're, exactly. they're like, not, who, yeah. who, who are the ones that are, and there's certain people that are, are and the ones I'm picking on, it's not the newer agents because newer agents are going to start off slow, but see agents have been in for like nine, 10, 11 years that are 20 years. Like you still have your license and you do like three deals a year. Like, why are you even in real estate? And I don't know. I mean, if it gives you a little extra, you know, it gives you a couple thousand dollars more to spend a year and that's why you're doing it. Okay. Whatever. But I always look at that. It's like, how many, what is the bottom 50% doing production wise? And if you were to take that up and divvy it out amongst the top 70 and maybe top 50, how much more are those people going to be able to do? Because I just think, I think the industry, I mean, 140 people around here, that's, that's like a saturated, and we have a very small board. Like if you go to, if you go to other places, it's, it's insane. If you go down to Albany, a friend down in Albany, basically you can add a zero at the end. We have 140, they have 1400. And same thing, they have about the same ratio of how many people are active and, but it's the same deal. Like take all the ones that only do a few deals a year. Well, that could end up being in our board, 100, 120 deals. Yeah. And now you divvy that up amongst 50 people. Everybody's doing an extra three deals a year, like maybe more, you know? I mean, that's the, that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, well, how come, you know, the top 30 or 40 people are doing 70% of the deals? Well, let's take out the bottom, the ones doing 30%, just give it to the other ones. And, but that's never going to happen. But it's the idea that, most agents don't take action. So like, that's why when people come look at this, like that, that's up there is easy. You can easily work your way to the top there. And I can, I could do a book on how I think you should get up and, and get to a certain level. Who's going to get that access to that Ellie, Courtney, Hannah, cause they're here. I can talk to them about it, you know, and I can get better. Well, I feel like everybody knows what you're supposed to do. It's just all it takes is self-control and discipline to get it. Like every, everybody knows what you're supposed to do. You're supposed yeah. to wake like, yeah, I mean, it's industries are different. I mean, if you, 
I mean, real estate, there's things that you know you need to do. Like I always laugh, like I, I do a lot of video. I know almost everybody will not beat me at video because most people already in their head are eliminating themselves, eliminating themselves, meaning for some reason they're they're their own worst critic. They're scared to be on video. They're scared to hear some their voice. They're scared I what want, they look like. This is what I want you to get better at. I don't want a majority of your Instagram stories to be posts. I want you to actually show me what you're doing. On yeah, your I mean, Instagram it's stories. It, there's a mixture that's of only, that's my only uh, my only critique for your social media. But, but there's but there's a mixture of that because if I do a post and I think is worth putting on there, I will. My problem is again is time during the day, like majority of the time. I, now, yes, I mean, there's stuff that I I do here and there, but then I got to figure out, you know, how much am I putting out? How much is too much? How much is just putting out fluff that I don't think is worth putting out? Um, and I can, I mean, there's stuff that I want to do better at, but like, I think I would find it more interesting if I got to see more of what you do. And like, I enjoy like the well, traveling and like seeing what people are up to. Like, that's why, like, I love, I love watching Instagram stories because I feel like connected to more people through them. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I was trying to do, or that's what I'm trying to do with the vlogs is to get people because at that, because the good thing about that, like, and again, we haven't done one in three weeks, but I just literally we've hit a... I hate making excuses, but we've had a lot of stuff going on the last three weeks that I've just haven't. I've literally had to. I just Dude, couldn't. October I, sucked. Like I, I just normally, could not get the stuff. I normally don't do like. Doesn't matter what it is on the weekends. I won't do it. Like I'll I'll talk to new clients, but like if there's an eighty kyp event, if there's a chamber event, like nope, that's my family time. Yeah. And October, every single weekend has been something. We had the flag football tournament, raised five hundred bucks for United Way. We had um. For for the kids charity golf classic that was awesome, mm-hmm. but like it stunk because I've been like the the weekends are my time to reset and recharge, and I didn't get yeah. to get that. Yeah, like mine, I haven't. I was gone a couple of weeks ago, so that but it was again I was like traveling and stuff. It was it was fun. Like I had a good time. I was with some friends. It was kind of a you know it was definitely a um a fun like a fun trip, not a work trip. Um, but I followed that up with a work trip. Got a little bit sick. And then I've had a bunch of stuff since then. And then I've been fighting a sickness for like two weeks. And then all of a sudden you put on a bunch of events. My wife just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. So I was doing a couple event or a couple like surprise things for her. We're switching over our entire heating system in our house. I had to prep for that. Um, and like I had, to, I had to learn how to frame a wall, which I'm not the most handy person. So I'm like, but I'm learning. So for me, when someone could do that in a few hours, took me majority of the day because... Um, you know, second guessing yourself and trying to make sure everything fits and making sure you have the correct list of what you need. And I thought I did really good once it was all done. But, and then we have the wish funds coming up in two days. I've been trying to scramble to get donations. I haven't done a great job at it, but I mean, just time wise, I haven't had a lot of time. So like trying to get that done. And then we have our agent open event next week. We have homebuyer seminar the week after we have, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff coming up like the next two, three weeks. And then like, Basically, November, the weekend of like November 9th, 10th, 11th, I, I, I'm hoping that I can get a little bit of a break from and, and actually really hammer out a lot of this stuff because now I'm getting into the November, December, January, February where I can really spend a lot of time working on the business and, and you know, moving the needle forward for the business where I find, you know, our, our summers, man, are, are they're chaotic because there's a lot going on and... 
I'm going in a like I'm going a million miles an hour every single day, and and then I look at something like this, like why why do a podcast? Like oh, we could have took that time and did work and did something else. But again, we talk about being consistent with stuff. And one, I like doing it, but two, it's 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 another piece of, of content that we're putting out. Yeah. Um, now, could I could I take it from a roughly two hours down to an hour? I could, but I don't find that I get out of it what I want to get out of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't find that the conversation goes where I want it to go in forty five minutes to an hour. And I mean, because I mean, you go longer too, and for the same reason. So it's kind of. But you got to like pick and choose. Like that's why Realty Talk are nice. Like I'm doing one tomorrow, just quick. Like you know, you doing one with Phil tomorrow? I think he's coming on. Yeah. I, I I forgot he was coming in the town. Ellie mentioned it last week, and then he um um he messaged me today about it. But we got to do it a little bit uh, later because I have a so tomorrow we have a Plattsburgh State Career Fair. Like that's another event that we're semi. It's not we don't have to do a lot of work for it, but we've had to prep for it a little bit. I have two interns this semester. We have a bunch of new agents we're training. Like, I mean, there's so many things that are going on that I think people are just like, I, you know, what's funny is the people that get pissed at me not getting back to them are other agents. And I'm like, not, not to like talk down to you or anything, but it's like, I have a million things going on. Like your, your question or issue can wait a couple hours. You know what I mean? It's not like a, you need that right this second. I get so and, mad when they don't like same day. Just, you know, if you ask me. Give me to the end of business. Like, it's so... I have customers sometimes where I was too good at being, like, talking to customers right away. And then if I don't and answer they for a few it. hours, then they call me and, like, they call the office. Like, what's going on? Why isn't Matt answering? And it's like, I had coffee at 10. Then I had lunch at noon. And then, you know, I didn't get back till, like, 2. Well, and I, I think that's... I, won't, I have uh, one agent. I won't name names. But they sent something and it was like a kind of like a mini group text and they go, Galen, can you respond? And I'm like, like within the uh, two hours of the initial text coming in, which I hadn't read at the time, yeah. but it's like, no, I was in an appointment. I was making calls. I was doing, I was doing way more stuff than answering a text that really was not time sensitive. It was just kind of like, Hey, I'm just wondering about X or Hey, can you do X? Like if I text you at 10 in the morning or if I text you at two in the afternoon, it's not going to change the outcome. Like it's fine. So it's stuff like that that it, that really annoys me because I find, you know, from like I talked about being like a nice, like I think I'm very easy to work with when it comes to real estate. Like I don't, I hate confrontation. I'm very much like let's get everybody on the same page. We all want to close. Let's get the deal done. Like let's just get to the closing table so both buyer and seller can get what they came for and accomplish what they wanted. And man, some agents, dude, get in their way. Meaning they just they make problems for themselves or clients who make problems for themselves. And it's like, just trust the process and just let things happen because there's a million things going on. Like how many people are involved in a transaction? Not counting the buyer and, I mean, the buyer and seller are, can, they can be huge wild cards because you don't know their personality. You don't know how they handle stress. You don't know how they handle, yeah. um, but they bad are, news. they are a wild card. They're not professionals. Like think about, so for my desk, it's like, there is me, there's a processor who, like Julie, gathers the documents. Mm -hmm. There's an underwriter who looks at the documents, and then there is a like there's the appraiser. There's the lawyers. There's the lawyers' legal assistants who are going to get title. Mm -hmm. There is uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of bank BS, like stupid stuff that we have to deal with. 
that um, they they choose like uh, making sure it follows government regulations, basically, and check this box, check that box. I mean, if you say there's a dozen people in most transactions, I'd believe it. And that's not counting Easy. Like, home inspectors, yeah. title companies. I'm talking just like hard people who have a like a I don't know why I'm saying like a hard role in the file. Like they they are doing yeah, but something. If, that so has you guys to get you guys done. have two. We have two because Nicole's on Nicole and Julie do basically kind of the same idea. Yeah. So you have two there. You have clients, two probably two clients on each side, husband and wife or whatever. Yeah. So you're anywhere from six to eight people right there. Two attorneys with a legal with legal assistance. So you yeah. have that's ten. Then you have appraisals. Then you have all the people in your back end. Then yeah. you have inspectors. Even then just you have water te- like then te- so title. Yeah, exactly. You need a water test. You need someone people, to go look. People don't understand. Just like if we don't have part of it, it's at a standstill. Uh-huh. Like there's some people where we've been trying to get the same docs since the beginning, and it's been two or three weeks, and. Like it's, it's just, it is what it is. They don't, my, my favorite, like Philip actually told me this, he goes, clients will get pissed at him. And the, the biggest problem I have right now, we'll do a closing process. Clients, I do everything great. Clients love me. Then we get to the closing process. Then we get a month into the closing process. Now we're in like the last two, three, four weeks of closing. Now who are we, we, we in our industry? What are we waiting on? We're usually waiting on every, the bank to collect all their documents, or, and the biggest one is waiting for attorneys to finish up title work. So then all of a sudden, now we're looked at, okay, well, why is there a delay? Why is there a delay? Why is there a delay? I can guarantee you there's a very good chance, and I don't like to pass the blame, but at that point in time, there's not much else I can do besides send emails, make calls, and just say, hey, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? But I'm, But again, we're relying on other professionals to do their job in a timely manner, and when that doesn't happen... Then it comes back on us. And then all of a sudden the client get pissed, gets pissed. And then it's like, listen, we could have avoided all this, but it's the, it's, the, it's the perception. It's like, okay, well, there's a delay. You're not doing your job. I'm like, well, it's, I'm really waiting on the attorney. Like I'm in the same boat as you. Like we're waiting. I know you want to point the finger at somebody, but I said, sure, I'll call them again. I'll reach out again. I'll email again. But if we're not getting any farther. Well, I think as a, as a real estate agent, your most important job is to bring people to the home inspection. Basically, like that's that's where a bulk of your work because I'm not showing – like, yeah, I'm running numbers, but I'm not well, showing people homes. Think, think I'm about, not doing all that think fun of, stuff. Think about when – this is the funny thing about real estate too. Think about all the stuff that's done – in, like from a real estate perspective is majority of the time like we get the clients we figure out we find the clients either through our sphere through leads through whatever we get the client we we convert the client we convert the lead to a client i should say yeah then from that point we qualify the the client to make sure everything you know are you good okay now we then at that point that's their first chance at touching a bank they talk to the bank Okay, great. Bank's qualified. And then we go out and we show homes and homes and homes. Okay, you don't like something? Okay. A week later, we go out. And that process can take anywhere from a couple days to a couple years. Yeah. And then they go under contract. Like, I've done all that all that work, got a purchase contract, sent it off to everybody. At that point, for the most part, my job is pretty much done. Yes, is there, if there's a couple inspection issues or things that we have to negotiate through, that's on us, but then then we're done. Well, that's Most why of the, I like talking to the listing side. Like I've been I've been doing Tuesday update calls to everybody, and I've just been calling the listing side too. 
And I think it's so much easier versus playing a game of uh, telephone to just call the listing side and, you know, hear like, hey, this is what I'm missing. Like, do you know, is it at the selling, is back title back? Is it, is it at the selling attorney? Is it to the buying attorney? Is, you know, maybe there's something messed up with the deed, but Mm -hmm. like people have loved that. And I've, I don't mind it either because I'm, you know, I'm not new in the business anymore, but I don't, I didn't grow up here. So I don't know, I don't know everybody. Yeah. So like getting to meet people and that's why going to closings is so awesome. Well, yeah, the closing thing is good. I think, I think every, I try to go to all the closings if I can. A lot of times though, they're, they're scheduled late. Like it'd be a Monday and like we're closing Thursday at 10. Okay. I already have stuff. I can't make it. Like, then it's like, shit, well, when can I get the walkthrough? And so like, that's the only problem with closings is that they can be scheduled like on a moment's notice because attorneys like, well, I had these times kind of uh, set I want to start doing fun stuff at closings because it's just me and a realtor just like hanging out. Like I literally want to like bring meat and cheese or something. Pop bottles. I, I told, yeah, I should do that. Um, Sober October, baby. Yeah. November. Yo, my November closings. Get ready. We're about to get drunk at closings. I wouldn't mind that. It depends on the client. Like I'm all cool with just bringing a freaking case of beer and let's go, but... But no, again, I don't. I don't drink a lot. So to me, sit there like at the closing table, like crushing beers at one a.m. or one one a.m. one p.m. Like I, maybe if it's like a mid afternoon or late afternoon on a Friday, I got a four p.m. tomorrow. Maybe I should just go for it. Not even tell the attorney. Just be like, you guys don't want a six pack. Like sober October. Yeah, you gotta wait. You gotta wait a couple weeks. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish strong. I did break it the night. Um, I had a beer when I was out to eat with Sarah after um the flag football tournament last week. Like I was dead. Did you go to the flag football tournament? Yeah. Oh, you did? I think she didn't go to it. No, I went to it. I ran that. I ran that, and I was on the winning team. And by winning team, I mean we had number one in fun, but we lost every game. Oh, so like your golf team? Yeah. Every time. Did, bro, don't even don't even bring up golf, bro. You wait till next year. Did we talk about that? We haven't talked about that on the podcast. What, what are your thoughts from that? Um, like that, what 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 do you think? What was good about it? What what would you change about it? What would you scrap? What would you add? Like what would you, like how, what would what would you make different, better or worse? I think if we did, I don't think we should try and get people to watch. I, me personally, I just can't imagine people like taking time out of their Saturday to like come watch us golf. And maybe that's just because I've never seen anybody watch golf. I just think that's between two people. But I think we should figure out a way to like live stream it. And then I think we could actually like have a lot of people watch it and make it super interesting. So the the only so a couple things like one, which is not our really our problem. Well it was and it wasn't, is we started very short notice. Like we, we came up with yeah, the idea weeks. and yeah. So next year I would like to do it early October again. Because I think it's kind of a good time of the year to do it. But I would probably start promoting it like September 1st. And give us about four to six weeks to kind of really prep. The donation thing, I thought we did well in the donation. I hate asking for people to donate money. I hate it. I hate making people feel obligated. Um, I just like how we did it. It was like, hey, if you want to donate, this is what we're doing. If you can donate, great. But if not, then I'm totally cool with it. Just, you know, and I think we, the people, I think were like, hey, this is kind of a cool event. And they did, they donated just because they're like, hey, this is kind of neat. Let's do it. All mine but, were outbound donate, or I never specifically asked people for donations. Same. And that was like the coolest part. Yep. Same. Like, I just, like, I, I asked at Rotary 
and we did the video and in Facebook I asked, but I didn't go. Well, it was kind of like a, it was a blanket ask. It was like, Hey, if anybody wants to donate, yeah. if anybody wants to donate to this cause or whatever, this is what we're doing, raising money. If you want to donate, cool. If not, don't worry about it. And the, the one thing I did, the couple of things I did, like I did like the shortened clubs on my part. Like, I think when you talk about, I like when people go, I thought that was fun. My mic thing, for whatever reason, I don't know what happened there. I watched some of the clips. Our mics didn't work. Um, our mics worked to like hole number three, and then they stopped working. The, the the mics that the guys were holding. So we pretty much have no commentary. We have it like the first three holes, which the the what they did say was good. I gotta actually I was suck in the first three. Holes. I gotta I gotta uh, edit those videos, but I gotta learn how to get off the tee. But but uh, we we ended up. The second half, when we had the shotgun mic, it came out better, which is probably what we'll do. Like, kind of learning stuff. The video footage was pretty funny because I did flip through a few of them. I got to edit them down, but um, I think there was some good stuff on there. I wish there was a few more. I wish we did it a little bit more long term because, like, Ellie had to leave like after like five holes, and we only got like footage of interviews at that point where it would have been more fun to have interviews throughout and kind of later. I like how we did this stuff on Facebook Live. But I prefer, I'd prefer to do Facebook Live stuff on each hole, or I'd prefer to do something like that where we did side bets, like the Tiger Phil side bet. Like, okay, we're on this part three, closest to the pin, 20 bucks closest to the pin. And like little side games, and then like that gets thrown into the pot. So maybe we start with 100, and then we do every few holes, we'll do like a side agreement that we both agree on, or something to the effect of like, 20 bucks they make uh, a par on this or some, I mean 10 bucks whatever yeah. you put you put these little side bets in and then the winner doubles up and then money goes into well, this, that was the first time I've ever played golf under any pressure at all see that's what I told people like I told people when they got in like I was not I'm not nervous because I played a lot of golf growing up and I played in tournaments not like a ton but I played in enough where the well, nerve the you nerves really don't affect team me in high school right no I didn't I didn't have a team you just played a lot? I just played a lot. I played. A, I literally played by myself. I say by myself, but I mean I played. I would go to the course by, by myself or with friends, and we would play golf. I was not part of a team. I played two. Shazy didn't have a team. We had a club. Um, we, I played two events ever on the as a club, um, and I think I was like ninth or 10th grade when we did it, and that was it. I didn't play anything my junior, senior year. There was talks of us merging with Northeastern because we both played up at North Country. Um, had we done that, I don't think I would have ever joined because I really liked baseball. And I knew going into baseball that I was only going to play baseball till my senior year. And I could play golf the rest of my life. So I didn't want to give up like a year or two of like my last year or two ever of baseball to go play that. But we would have had a really good team because Northeastern was very good. And they had a really strong like three, four guys. And their five and six weren't bad, but the couple guys that we had from Shay Z, we could have probably been able to at least put two or three guys in with at least three to four of their guys, and had the best six golfers in the in the league. We would have we would have won sectionals had we merged with them. But I mean, when you get and, and golf's different now. Like I see the scores now, and I'm like, good lord, they're not they're pretty bad. Like compared to what they used to be. Like we we would have had the we would have had probably my junior senior. Junior to senior year, anywhere from three to five guys shooting sub 40, which is very tough to do. Yeah. And I would say even our fourth, fifth, and sixth guy consistently would be averaging like 40, 40, 40, 41, 42, which on a golf team, usually one or two guys are like in the 30s or like around low 40s. And like three and four 
are probably like 42 to 45 and like your five and six are like high 40s yeah like to me if you're shooting high 40s on a golf team i'm real disappointed i hurt my back that bad before because that was the first time i went on the course in like three weeks which one for the tournament yeah no for me and you when we played that was your first time playing that long yeah really i thought you had played before that no i hurt my back that like my back was horrible man i started going to cairo and then i didn't didn't play for a really long time like yeah i played a ton this summer but most of my playing was just for fun and not it, like, there's a difference yeah this is like thing. speed almost speed play like most of my rounds were before work so i would like you'd, you'd sort of just like play well, relatively quick like versus, one of the things that i think you should work on is playing quicker because what i find too is that sometimes if people like golf if they if they take too much time you get Taking too much time over the ball, you actually get more stiff. You're not as loose because you're like you're thinking about it too much. Like I think you got to get to a point, and I'm not like everybody has their own style, but you really got to be able to like read the shot, have confidence to step up and just hit it. Because most of the times, if I was to tell you, okay, grab the club, okay, walk up to the ball within three seconds, you got to make a swing. You would get more more free. Like you would go up, okay, set, swing, and you would hit just as good but you would get this motion where you're like okay i'm ingraining the swing versus i'm gonna sit there and overthink about all my swing thoughts in my head yeah where you I'm want very fidgety very fidgety yeah so for me or, or for what i would say for you i mean like if if i go on the range i love like my problem is i don't hit the range enough i used to hit the range all the time because the, the thing is if you go on a golf course and take um go take bluff point we played bluff point a few times right or take the barracks okay we play the barracks most likely I'm hitting driver on hole one, maybe hole two, hole five, hole six, hole eight, and that's about it. So you're talking about like f- my driver might be hitting five times around, and honestly, I could probably hit like a long iron or a three wood on some of those. You have five swings that you're always trying to get correct. I can go out and hit on the driving range five driver swings in a, in a matter of like um, two minutes maybe. Yeah. So you can ingrain those, like especially if you're hitting, because then you got to set up a tee. It's even better if you think about how many times are you hitting a five iron in a round. I might hit that once a round. So for me, that once a round is, it's okay, well then when's the next time, or even like a club that I hit a lot. Maybe my eight and seven iron I hit a lot because that's always kind of where the holes kind of line up for me. I might hit my eight iron like six times around. Well, I might not hit them for, th- I'm, they'll be 45 minutes apart before I hit them where the range I can hit eight iron. Okay, yeah. I kind of hook that a little bit, make my adjustments, swing again, good, swing again, good. And the thing is you're ingraining it as you're practicing. Most people go on the golf course and they try to fix a swing out there and all of a sudden they hit a bad shot and like, okay, fuck it, now I'm going to go in the rough and swing. Well, when's the next time you're going to get a chance to hit an eight iron, eight iron at the center of the fairway? It could be seven holes from now. Yeah. So then you get back up and now you're like, oh, I got to hit this ball real good. And you swing and then maybe you hook it this time. Well, if you can go on the range and hit eight irons for 10 minutes, just eight iron shots, hit 50 of them. Okay, well, you're going to get way better at hitting, you know, because you could go months before you hit 50 iron shots in a round. Yeah. But it's trying to get that that groove down. So that was the hardest part for me this year is I just don't go to the range enough. Like I, I know I say it's tough because of time, but. You know, it's something that I should be really focusing on if I want to get better. Go to the range twice a week and play once or twice a week. And that's how you get better. Because that's what I was doing before. I mean, I'd play, 
at least four days a week and I would probably hit the range two, three days a week on the side, like when I had time or, yeah. you know, when I finished up, I'd go on the putting range or I'd go on the chipping range and I, I would just hit shots and it, it's all just muscle memory. Like once you get the technique down, it's just, okay, keep going down until I get that feel in my hands. And I almost feel like I should just go get like a few lessons to learn the right technique before the bad technique is ingrained. You could, but it's like anything else. Like if you're like, if I'm trying to learn on how to take edit, edit video, how do you edit video? Yeah, you just do it. Well, you learn it and then you do it. So there's one thing like you can go out. I don't think anybody needs to get golf lessons until they actually go out on the golf course or go out on the range and actually just hit golf balls. Like, yes, you're going to, you could get some bad swing thoughts and stuff or some stuff's off plane, but I think until you kind of get familiar with the system, it'd be like going on Adobe Premiere Pro. I haven't done this yet. I'm pretty sufficient. I'm pretty uh, proficient at iMovie. Adobe Premiere Pro, I've edited like two videos ever, and it's been months. I'd have to go back and watch the tutorial. But looking at it, my just my vision, I don't, I'm not comfortable with the interface yet. Once I become comfortable with it, all of a sudden now I know where things are quicker. Now I know exactly what goes to what. Now I know different techniques I can do. And just by playing around with it, I'm, I'm getting better and better and better and better and more of an expert in that field. Golf's the same way. It'd be like picking up a sport like last year. Last winter, I tried. I played racquetball for the first time. I'm not a very good racquetball player. I'm okay. I got better, but by the sixth or seventh time that I played, I was able to hit better shots. I was more consistent. I had less miss hits. But that'd be like me after day one, being like, "Dude, I gotta take a bunch of lessons." Like, no, we'll just go get some practice in and actually get used to hitting it, and kind of yeah. let your body kind of figure stuff out, and then fine tune it through professional. That's what I think. Like, I think if you go out and really put in and say instead of just because most people just say, I want to go play. I want to go play. Like, I would much rather go play one round a week and go hit the range two, three times a week. Because I like the range. I like that's how where you improve. And then you go to the, like, I would love to do that and then go out once a week and that'd be like my test for the week. And just how how consistent can I get? Because you'll go out and all of a sudden it's be like, man, I'm crushing my driver. I'm crushing my irons. I'm I'm hit, I'm chipping much closer to the pin. Um, but you can see how you're getting better that route versus just flat out, like, I'm just going to go play. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all about practice. I, I just, you have to practice. Like, think about the pros. The time they practice to the time they play, they probably spend 80% of the time practicing, 20% of the time playing. And they spend 80% of the time hitting clubs under probably 150, you know, under 100, something like that. And they probably do the rest like 30% above. Yeah. Because think about driver. How many times are you hitting a driver? At max, you're going to hit it 14 times around. Because you're going to have par threes. Yeah. So talking about 14, and that's if all of them require a driver. At a certain point when you get good enough, like you can hit irons and three woods off tees because driver will get you into trouble. So then you're talking, are you only hitting max maybe a dozen drivers around? But then you see people like whacking drivers all day. Like how many times are you hitting a pitching wedge or a sand wedge? Probably triple that amount. You know what I mean? In a round. So, or putts. Like that's the stuff you should be practicing. People don't. I mean, it's just because the driver's the, the big sexy club that you want to crush. But um, no, back back to the event. Was there anything that you think we should change for next year? Because I, I want to do it next year. I want to do something. It doesn't um, necessarily have to be... I don't know. I've, I've, I have some ideas for next year. I sort of want the same exact thing. Same format? Yeah. Do you think you're going to get... Do you think... Well, The only thing is we'll have to... I want to keep it semi-close. Like I want to be able... Because I really thought this year... Me with three clubs was too much of an advantage. 
based off of, and maybe it's because you had you hadn't played a while leading up. Like I, I'd gone a couple weeks not playing before that, and you might have been a little bit longer, but I was confident enough that that I could. I knew I was gonna like. I really thought I was gonna beat you sooner, and I didn't play well. And the ones, because the way I look at it is the holes that you beat me on yeah, were in holes that I part. I took drops on. Yeah. And realistically, like I should have took a drop on number six and I could have gotten up and down and that would have put pressure on you because at that point you kind of like had it locked up and you had, you had a good chip, but had I taken a drop, been one shot behind you, got up and down from there and then you would have been forced to get up and down to beat me and you might've, you might not have and would have, you know what I mean? So like there's little things that I, over because you didn't make like a par or bogey all day right or if you made a bogey i made a bogey yeah or i made a par it was something where like not you never made like a birdie or, or a par or a bogey to win it yeah like win a hole like you you would get a double and i would get a triple so so to me like i think we either assess the situation next year and see how well you're playing versus like how well i'm playing because i'll be like fair like i really thought three clubs would was going to be semi good, and then I, 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 I knew the entire time you were going to smoke me. Well, you had said that, so like my thing is, do I play with two clubs or do I play with one club? I think one club gets tough. Yeah. Um, I think two clubs is more realistic because I'd probably play, I'd probably take the three wood out, and I'd probably play with the sand wedge and the eight iron, knowing that I could hit my eight iron run 150 Mm -hmm. and that would allow me to get on all the par threes and par fours and three yeah and keep it semi close but i think that if i if i if this was earlier i think like at the at the end of the season i I was starting to figure out my game and actually like having a lot of looks at pars and birdies like i played around with my dad and like i looked like a golfer like i i didn't lose a ball i was off the tee every hole like i think i just have to get better at better habits like that and you, learn my golf game a little bit better so the thing with golf it's how well you manage <clears throat> how well you manage your misses because you think about you're gonna miss a shot very rarely is someone hitting a perfect shot every single time like even the pros no but think about like my drive like think about my drive off one mm-hmm. like i i dribbled over the stream it wasn't yeah. like like it's one thing where like my misses are I'm in the rough a little. It's another thing to I don't I don't want any whiffs. Like people always miss. You're always gonna aim for the green and hit. But I don't want yeah, I know whiffs what you mean. where it's just like what the fuck. Was you that? scribble one on the ground or like, you hit one out of bounds. I just want to not be embarrassed. Like this is the first year where I felt not embarrassed to golf. Yeah. Like well, well for you towards to- the end of the season where it's like, you know, yeah, Ryan and Forrest, they're gonna the cart their ball's gonna be forty yards in front of mine, but. I'm still in play. It's not like let me just go drop a ball with you. Yeah. So your your biggest thing, and this it, this is tough because everybody has a problem with this, is when you swing. Don't overswing, and that's one of the things I got like I tried to simplify this year is because when I used to play a lot of golf, I was 25 pounds lighter. I was much more lanky. I wasn't very bulky. I didn't have a lot of muscle mass on me. I could turn and pretty much do everything now. I physically can't turn like I used to. And if I do try to go that way and try to turn as much as I used to, I'm so far off plane that there's no chance in hell that I'm going to hit a consistently good shot. So what I tried to do was I tried to limit my backswing. So I was focusing more on during the year, like 
and there was times I slipped out of this, but there's sometimes I really stayed in it. How can I just stay on plane? And on plane might mean a, a, a swing that's less than 50% back than what I used to. I'm stronger now. So what I can do is keep it on plane and turn into the ball and have the rest of the te- techniques. So my swing is shorter, but because it's shorter, I'm still able to drive or generate the, you know, the leg drive in the, in the, in the rotation and still be able to put a decent enough club on or swing on the ball. That's going to be able to get me to a point where, um, you know, I can have, I can, I'm not sacrificing distance. And there was one time I bluffed this year. I did that. And it was like three holes that I had my lifetime best drives on, which is crazy because I mean, it, it just, and I, I was actually swinging 50%. So for you, it's like shorten up the swing a little bit, learn to swing on plane. And I, then a lot of it is just let the club do the work because the club is going to pop it out there. Like smoother. Like my back has to not hurt and I have to well, stretch out more. And then I think like I play a lot better where I don't feel like I have to overswing. Yes. And, and, but but the problem with golf, think about with golf though. The club is generated to pop a ball out there pretty fast. You don't have to overswing. What happens when people overswing? They tense up. When you tense up and your muscles are tighter, you swing slower. So when yeah. you watch it, and so it's it, when golf, I was golf's nice, a lot of opposites. I would have a very easy backswing, and I could bring it a good deal back, and then I would swing through real nice and easy, and just like. Because I'm I'm 280 pounds, so it's mm-hmm. like I don't need to muscle it, and I would I would be able to swing back, but I wouldn't have to get tight, and then I could just come through nice and easy, and though like I would crush it. I had a on, at 18 at Bluff Point, I had a birdie putt, mm-hmm. and the tee, you know, sometimes the the tee is all the way back at the road. Mm-hmm. First shot, I was right at the base of the hill. Yeah. Second shot, I hit a five iron and made it over two hills. And then I, like, I had a, I think a seven iron up onto the green and mm-hmm. I just missed the putt. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like, that was amazing. Yeah. And I also almost never play 18. Every time I play, I play nine because it's never. It's a time thing. I'm, I'm the same. It's, it's, well, like a couple of times I went with you, like, I had to play like 10 and then play back in because it's, it's, that's the hard, that's another hard thing too when you don't have a lot of time. Well, that's why I'm like, I love golf, but I'm like, am I going to like, Maybe once the farm is more established, it won't be like, damn, every weekend I'm doing this or that. And I can take like a Sunday afternoon and just go golf. Yeah. Like my thing is like I golf 90% of the time early in the morning. And or I would would say now that like I do half my rounds are scrambles, I would say 50% of my my rounds are teeing off before 8 a.m. Sometimes even before 7 a.m. And then I had the scrambles. Like my favorite scramble, like when we played in the, was it the chamber event this year? It was like a 10 a.m. tea time. I was clawed up at every scramble this year. I don't even know. Was was that a? I think we were there. Was that was the one at um, uh, Adirondack? We started off at like 10 a.m. on a Friday. It was the best because it was 10 a.m. on the Friday. Like I always look at scrambles. I'm not a huge scramble guy. Like I don't I don't like playing in them. I'd rather play my own ball. I do like scrambles if I have a fun group of people. Yeah, it was the chamber. I think it was the chamber, right? We- I wasn't on your team, but we played. It was a chamber event. Yeah. But like rounds that it was like me, you, and Ryan. Me, you, Ryan, and Jared. For, was it JCEO? Yeah. That was a blast. Like yeah. that was one of the most fun scrambles I've ever had. But something like that, I played in a couple with Meg this year. I played in a couple with, uh, uh, God, Blinken right now on who it was. Um, but th- there's there's people that if you play with and they're just fun. Oh, uh, Nick, uh, Bracey. If there's people that you're playing, like, they're fun people, then the the round's great. I played one tournament this year. 
it sucked. Like the people I played with were not fun. They weren't into it. It was super boring. But if you can go out and like network with people and have a good time, yeah, part of me like, is like it's a good, it's you know, good I don't investment have to of take time. Golf serious. Like I can just have fun four times a summer with a scramble. Because for a while I was hitting the driving range once a week. I was hitting balls at my house after work, like stuff like that. But it's also like, what do you have time for? Like for me, like the farm, like I can't. Every Saturday morning I have to go and buy like fourteen hundred pounds of green, and then I mm-hmm. hit the dump. And yeah. like that's half my Saturday, and then that's not even the projects that I have to do. That's not this. That's not that. That's just like baseline stuff. So like. Big shout out to Casella and Meg. I just signed up for garbage service because I'm like, I don't want to fucking every weekend go to the dump. Like, yeah. That's not, that's not fun. Well, you learn like convenient things too. Like we, um, I never had this, you know, before, but, um, my wife always got a cleaning service for the house where we had a cleaning lady and I was always like, oh, that's kind of odd. Cause I always grew up like I would do chores and I would clean up on the weekends. And then it wasn't the fact of like, I didn't, I couldn't do it. Um, or I thought it was like something I was like, oh, I, I don't want to clean. Like I have no problem cleaning. Like to me, it's kind of like methodical. But the thing is, like for me, I don't want to spend three hours of my weekend cleaning. Like I would much rather pay somebody that's better at it, that's quicker at it, money. Because I look at that, I look at money going to that person as is giving me time. Like time is my most valuable asset. So like time and health. So like I look at it and I talk, I complain about how much time I don't have during the day. And then I want more time of it. So it's like, why would I spend three hours doing that? Like, the only reason I mow my lawn is my son likes riding the lawnmower with me. Like, and it's it's kind of peaceful. Like, I don't mind going out. It allows me to kind of relax and mentally check out for a little bit. So it might be something that I stick with for a while. But there's times where, I'm like, like, I have my apartment up in Ross's Point. I pay someone to mow the lawn. Like, I don't want to drive up there, mow the lawn, drive back. You're talking, at, at best, a two-hour commitment once a week. Like, I'm not spending two hours a week going up to mow a lawn. Yeah. So I'm going to pay a guy 20, 30 bucks. He's going to go do it. And I just save that time because I got to look at it too. What can I do in that two to three hours? I'm either doing business or I'm hanging out with my family. So that gives me that time back. So for me, it's totally worth the investment. Yeah, I remember one of the, I think it was, I don't know what mortgage podcast it was, but the lady was like, we have a, we have a cleaner. We have somebody who does the laundry. We have somebody who does like, everything and it like first people thought she was stuffy and mm-hmm. then she's like no like i want that time with my family well that's the thing like i've looked at seriously looked at like food services not like uh not every day but i would like you've seen like those places that they'll ship meals to you each yeah. week and it's i gotta look at the price because some of them aren't bad because it's like, like eight nine bucks a meal and you get like a decent well that's the meal. thing even if it's ten dollars a meal i look at it like if it's ten dollars a meal what's the time it's saving is it saving me one, is it saving me the consistency of getting a meal where I don't have to prep and cook because that's the, right there's time. And then it comes down to, okay, I don't have food. So then I got to run out to a store to grab something that's probably worth the same amount of money anyways to drive back. So now I just wasted my time to drive to go there. So I've looked at, do I get something where I know each week I get 10 meals that I can do a lunch and a dinner, my breakfast, I can kind of figure out lunch yeah. and dinner. So maybe that costs me because then you got to think about it, is that ten dollars, roughly ten dollars a meal. So I spend a hundred bucks a meal, four hundred. Say even even if I round up and it's four hundred and fifty dollars a month times twelve. So it's fifty. Say round round even up. Yeah, and I think I'm a little high. Year. So say it's fifty five fifty five hundred dollars a year. 
But then I look at it, like how much time did that give back? And of course, I'm always looking at, I look at numbers as like, honestly, like commission. Like if I got that extra time back and I was eating healthy, I got that time back of the travel. Yeah, would I get five more deals out of it or whatever it is? Yeah, like, and I think yes, or if not, I get more time back. So to me, like that would be a trade-off. That Like I'm not ready to pull the, like go for that, but I could see myself as soon as next year or the year after being like, yeah, someone's going to ship me meals. I'm just going to keep them at the house. I'm going to bring them each day to work, put them in the thing, heat them up, eat them, good to go. Yeah. And, and good meals. They're not like, not like freaking like, um, no, it's not hungry, man. Yeah, no, buddy, no, no. It's like, yeah, it's like big... somebody that actually cooked, prepped, and then shipped them to me. My buddy does that where he is a, he is a super successful business doing that. And it's like all like certain macros and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, it and that's what it's with like, I want, yeah. I want X, Y, and Z. And then it's like, okay, I have different foods. It's quality food. It's shipped to me fresh. I can, even if I get it and I have to heat it up three, four days later, it's still gonna be fine. And like yeah. I said, I'm not like one that's super picky on how I eat. My biggest thing is the time. It's the prep work or it's to go out and get food. Yeah. And, and again, I feel like I'm stubborn because part of me like doesn't like the super optimization, Tim Ferriss hacks type stuff. And then part of me is like, I should just do that. It makes sense. It's going to make life easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, let's uh, end there. It's eight. I got to get going. Speaking of food. So thank you everybody for listening to episode 52 of the Galen Trombley experience. 54? 52? Well, it's a Galen Trombley show, but 52. It was almost a Galen Trombley experience. Didn't 50, I say 52 or 52. said 54? You said 52 and then you said 54. You had yeah. it right. You had it right first time. Go with your gut. Okay. So, uh, I don't know. Anything else? Anything no, else you I don't want know. to add? Okay. I was just going to say something. Wacky. As always, Matt, I appreciate it. Actually, you know what? You know what I was going to have you do? You were number one. I think you were number 25, and I was going to have you as number 50 and have you come on every 25 episodes. Hell yeah. But but we missed the 50. So you're 52. But I was going to have you come Let's on. Let's do 100 then. Not could, do 75. Do 100. No, think, I'll do 75. Because I think coming on every 25 is good. Because you think about every 25, that's like three, four months. By the time I get the 25 more episodes. So it's like. Bro, it, by episode 100, the picture will be me with a six pack. Sure. No. 50, I, I mean, that's a, six pack. that's a year from now. I won't have a gut. Because I don't think oh, I'll have a six pack. Oh, for a actually, while. not even think about this. My goal for the year was 52. Today's, I hit it. And what is it, October? So. So really, we're two round off. Well, you had a nine, few weeks where I feel like you did like three in a row. Nine, nine months, nine, nine weeks ahead of schedule. Like I missed last week or the last, the last one I did, me and Meg did it probably like two and a half. Actually, when was that? Get my numbers right before I start saying, fact check myself. Do you do any during the day or you're mostly at I, night? Yes, but I, I uh, oh God, Wow. Me and Meg, October 2nd. So we actually talked October 1st. Today's what, the 22nd? It's been three weeks since I actually had a Gail and Trombley show episode. And then, wow, it's it's crazy how time flies. Jonah was here on the on the 26th, which is almost a month ago, which he just seemed like was like two weeks ago. I've had three Realty Talk episodes since. So yeah, we went three weeks without doing an episode. So really I had two episodes in there that I didn't do. But it was just, I, I was out. I, one, I was traveling for almost half a week yeah. and, and like, but I like being consistent. So, but I did have a couple. The most I did in one week was like, I don't think it was four. I think it was three. Yeah. I did two in one day one time, which was overkill. I had a great time when I was just doing them once a week. It was just. I like dude, once the a last week. Yeah. Week, the last week of the month always sucks for me because we're trying to close everything. Everybody's trying to close it out by the end of the month. Mm-hmm. There's a chamber event. There's an 80 KYP event. And then with the podcast too, like. It's five nights, and I get home 
like I get home at like nine nine thirty with podcast. Well, like my favorite time to do podcasts is like right now. I love like starting at eight or you mean five to eight? No, 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 like a five to eight. Yeah. I don't, the night ones at eight o'clock are good, but it depends. Like if I, if it's like eight and I'm like, we're having a couple of drinks, I like it. Five to eight is good. I've done some during the day more because of people's schedules. I don't like it cause it doesn't fit. Like it really doesn't fit my schedule. Um, the five o'clock one does, I mean, in a perfect world, I would do a podcast probably like one to four or one to three. Dude, that would be great. Like right after like a cold brew after me and uh, Ryan Lee always get cold brews after yeah. rotary or like a 9am class, like something like or 9am class, like nine, nine o'clock time. Like yeah. that would be great. But the problem is it's like my, peak hours. For my thing is too, is it's like, I'm right in the office where it's weird. Like it's here, like this is your office, like this is your space, like you have yeah. a big, but like mine well, is just my little office inside the office. Yeah, because your office is about half the size of this. I wish, because my office is so small. Yeah, it's tiny. I mean, luckily this, the good thing is when we moved from downstairs to upstairs, I pretty much kept the same square Started footage. Started at the bottom, now we're here. Actually, literally, you went up a yeah. floor. So, but uh, watch out, Benner, going up another floor. No, but but but... This office space is about the same as my last one. This is a better use of space. It's wider and shorter. My other one was more narrow and long. Yeah, dude, your old office sucked. It was well. I I loved sucked, but I it was, loved it. it was but great you think for about one like person. But this, I mean, for the podcast, we, we like pretty much tight. we pretty much ended not even at the edge of the couch. So we gained an extra probably four feet this way. We lost probably four feet going that way. But I like the setup better. Not to mention, I should have added stuff like this at the last op office but it didn't but now i got like a shelving unit i'm gonna build some shelves up top so like really it's not that cluttered of an office so for me we have stuff outside but i really want to keep like this spot for me is kind of like my hangout spot like i work here i got the podcast going on i have storage up there but I you have, have a chill spot the problem with our office is we don't have any chill spots yeah because well, the thing is your biggest area is a huge lobby that's never utilized yeah which you almost want to like reconfigure like you guys would actually be better Having a dog walk in, take a swing a left, wall off. You know where that big desk is up front? Yeah. Wall off that whole thing and make that another office. And then your lobby becomes the actual lobby. Like, because really, how many people have you ever had sitting out in your lobby at one time? Nobody. Because everybody comes in by appointment. Yeah. So really, I would I would section off that hurt first part. So you walk through the door and take a left. And then like wall that off, you walk into basically a wall, but you take a left and you walk into the, uh, the kind of the center part, which like the, you know what I'm talking about? The center yeah. piece that all the doors share, that's like your lobby and then make another door kind of make a wall that kind of goes out like this. So your doors faces out and then a wall kind of an angled, make an opening and then you walk into that and that's another bigger office. And then really you could either, I would say for you to go into that office and that becomes your space. And then, or you turn that into like a conference setting because really you guys should almost have a conference room out there because it's not utilized and like your space, you meet with clients, but it's tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could say, Hey, listen, we're going to take out that. You really should take out that front desk area because you don't use it. Yeah. And then turn that into a big conference table out there. Cause even if you have a conference, well, we're probably going to add another member of the team and then they'll be the front desk. And then, do that, yeah. and then when the team grows bigger than that, then we'll find something else. Yeah, I, I would wedge that. I mean, that's what I would obviously if if you can. But yeah, I mean, there, there's plans here too. But we, uh, it's all in time. Like I said, it's not a rush. So it's my next thing is th yeah, we gotta get it painted. But um, all right, see everybody next week. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go. Okay, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. 
If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.